Good evening. Welcome to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Enter freely and of your own will. In this episode, you may find many strange things, for the films to be discussed are old, and they have many memories. So, be there. Be there. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. We're glad you've joined us again. We're going off the Universal Backlot again for a, uh, a special a little, little in- iteration of Bela Lugosi's uh, uh, career. This is 1943's Return of the Vampire, which was produced by Columbia uh, as opposed to Universal. My guest on tonight's episode is Kat Herons. She's a longtime friend of the podcast. You've heard her do the introductions and closing bits in the uh, in the latest few episodes of the show. Uh, and she is also a notorious Lugosi, Lugosi file. Is that, is that, how do you, how do you prefer That's, to be nomenclatured there? Uh, afterlife fiance is fine. Afterlife. There you go. Good enough. Yeah. <laughs> um but but Kat, you you having such a, a strong connection with 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 Bella uh I mm-hmm. thought this would be a good one for you to do so yeah. thank you for being on board we appreciate it I, I'm looking forward to a good conversation because I know yeah, you it's, have it's... you've got info on Bella that I I don't have access to so this should be help this should help uh, you more informative for the for the listeners well you have access to it but I might have been more recently immersed in it so there's a go with that caveat there you go the story follows Armand Tesla, who's a vampire who was thought destroyed in the early 1900s, uh, who was freed in, uh, in London in 1943, present day for the film, when a German bomb is, uh, it ruptures the grave they've had him buried in during the Blitz. Uh, he takes the identity of a refugee doctor, and he returns to prey on the living, and also kind of get the revenge on the people that imprisoned him. Uh, he's aided in this film by a Renfield-like werewolf named Andreas, which might be one of my favorite things about this film. I think Bella's great in it, but the werewolf is just, it's so neat and so much fun. I love the, the Andreas character, and I can't wait to talk to him with, with you more here, Kat. This will be cool. So <laughs> getting into the film. Again, yeah, it's the Columbia film, uh, produced in 1943. Now, Kat, I looked up the IMDb, and Bella, just just for his film work, it seemed like he had a pretty busy year. He what? Let's see, he did... Uh, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman, right? Yeah, I mean, that had come out around the same time. Actually, I think they uh-huh. opened the same day. But yeah, he had that. He had the Ape Man. I think after this was when he made two more at Monogram. Yeah, he did He did Spooks Run Wild with the East yeah. Kids, right? Yeah. And, and, um, and, and then this, obviously. So it's a busy year for him in film work, but then he's doing all this other stuff too, right? Yeah, he was in a, a play, Arsenic and Old Lace, and it had already done, uh, been in San Francisco for two weeks before it came to L.A. And within a day of it opening in L.A. was when they started filming this movie, The Return of the Vampire. So he would be shooting this movie during the day and then performing in the evenings in that play. <laughs> That's and nuts. The, yeah, the, the biographies I was reading. And, and I mean, you have to consider he turned 60. So yeah. and he wasn't like. Young sixty, he had yeah. health problems. You know, what I mean, yeah, he he had leg problems and an ulcer and 
all kinds of stuff. There, there was marital tension. They rarely got to see their kid. And so he had, he was in this play. He was basically, I was reading about how he was basically just nonstop on the move all day and was barely eating. And mm. he took the opportunity to go donate blood. I think he went in, in full Return of the Vampire yeah, costume too, but he, that's huh. what this is from. Those famous photos of, of Dracula donating yeah. blood for the war <laughs> so, effort. That's he's, so, he's dressed as, as Armand Tesla. That's so neat. Yeah. So he went to do that, but because he was so malnourished, he was actually anemic and passed out. And he oh, had to have an understudy fill in for him that night for arsenic and old lace. Oh. So he was just running himself ragged. Uh, so, you know, he suffered for his art. And if you consider this was the last major production company to give him a lead role, so it was last major production company period. But you know, it was it was worth the sacrifice. He still, you know, he accepted their lowball offer. He he always had terrible agents, terrible career management. Yes. People blame people blame his accent, which you know doesn't hold up when you compare plenty of other people. Got made it just fine, even other Hungarians like Shadagabor. So they blame his accent, they blame his politics, which really weren't even a factor until decades into his cinema career. But it, if you read the biographies consistently, he just had terrible career management. And it's one of the things he and I have in common. Like we <laughs> we have so many vices in common and so many tendencies toward poor decisions in common. So we we would have been a beautiful disaster in this lifetime. And of course, when I join his harem in the afterlife, then we'll just have all the good stuff, but terrible career management. So he settled for, I'm sure you already know this. He settled for uh, $3,500 to do this movie. The whole, the uh, total, not, not per week total. Wow. Right. So uh. in 2022 dollars from 1943, because that's when they filmed it, even though it didn't come out till January 44, uh, that's $55,852.11. That's not even a count. So he had been paid the same thing for doing Dracula in 1931. But when you account for inflation, that's that was actually right. even a pay cut. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so he settled for their lowball offer because his agent wasn't savvy. Like the uh, the writer had actually written this. With Bela in mind, originally it was intended to be a sequel to Dracula. Universal shut that down and threatened legal action and all that. But it he was essential to the success of the film. But his agent didn't realize that. Even even uh, Bela's wife Lillian commented on when Bela turned down Frankenstein. Or you know, there's there's debate about whether he turned it down right. or whether they he, he didn't they didn't like the uh, the screen test, but. Um, even she pointed out that a good agent would have said, hey, you might not want this movie, but don't create your competition. You're in the lead right now. You need to keep this momentum going. So he was also active in the, uh, he was the president of the Hungarian American Council for Democracy, HACD. Right. Uh, so he was also very active in that and in politics. And of course, that <laughs> turned out to be, you know, there was blowback when that was revealed as a, a communist front. And he was yeah, yeah. Later on when Congress the wish hunts were that. happening and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, but but it was just another thing that was going on at this time. He was promoting his movies. He uh, was involved in politics. And he had just wrapped up a very draining uh, Dracula revival tour. So 
at the time he made this, you, you don't see it in his performance, but he must have been just beyond exhausted in having to, you know, remember all these lines and deliver them effectively. So yeah. there's just there's just so much to appreciate about him as an artist, even watching this movie, which isn't one that he's really known for. But uh, yeah, just it's definitely a lesser example. known. Um, that's interesting what you said a little bit ago about how they did see this as a potential sequel to Dracula and it was, it was shut down because it definitely feels like it first, it's first of all film. And I, I really enjoyed this film. I hadn't seen it in a long time. Um, it definitely feels like a film that underwent some rewrites or some reshoots or, or mm -hmm. something. It, it, it feels like it had to be modified to some degree. And there's a few yeah, that bits, was, bits that give that away to me constantly. that I'll, yeah, that I'll talk about, but, um, but it does play very closely to, I mean, it, it is in all but name, it it feels like a Dracula movie. And, you know, and, yeah. I, and I think and, it's... And Universal knew that. That's why they threatened legal action, even, you know, even even changing the names. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> right. <laughs> to right, anybody right. who knows Dracula 31. So getting really into that, we should get in the story here. So, um, again, Bella does have top billing in this. Is this, this is the last time he has top billing in a... In a I think a, a major studio feature. Major. Um, the film's written by Griffin J, uh, who also wrote Cry of the Werewolf, which I think we'll be covering in this in the show sometime down the road. Uh, directed by Lou Landers, who directed episodes of uh, Adventures of Superman a few years later, uh, among the many Raven. other things. Um, and it's got a great score by, uh, I might massacre the name, Mario Cas Castelnuovo Tedesco. Um Oh, who's a really respected uh, composer and classical guitarist. So, you know, they really, um, the, the talent they brought into this w wasn't really, you know, third tier. It was, it was, it was a decent uh, production that Columbia was trying to, you know, really mount here. Um, what I like best about it, and I'll get into it in a little bit, is it really, while I talk about how much I love that the Universal films take place in this kind of pocket dimension where you're not sure if it's like 1880 or 1930 there's there's a lot of um you know overlap and there's like you know people in horse drawn wagons while there's people in airplanes right um this is set in a very specific moment right in in your in london during world war ii during the blitz um those are salient to the story so it's interesting that they they chose to do that as opposed to like i said the way universal does um we actually start with uh, a shot of this woman being threatened by the, a shape of a vampire and this uh, bit of quote that reads, the imagination of man at times sires the fantastic and the grotesque, that the imagination of man can soar into the stratosphere as fantasy is attended by, and then it stops. And I'm not sure what the, <laughs> I got to be honest, I'm not sure what the implication of that is, is, is that it's, was it, I'm not sure if it was supposed to be completed at the end of the film or a second title card or it, it's odd. It's I just assumed that but it's I, I just assumed you were meant to infer the answer from mm. what followed. Like, like it was just sort of a, an ominous prelude. That yes. was how I interpreted it. That makes sense. Okay. It, it seems like to say fill it in. Huh? Yeah. The stratosphere, stratosphere of fantasy is attended by the return of the vampire because that it goes right into the titles there. Um, then we do go into this uh, shot of, of its Priory Cemetery, um, and it's set in 1918. So the film itself has like a little prequel section, which is not little. It's significant, actually. It's probably 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. 
uh, set in 1918, uh, and it's narrated by a guy named Professor Walter Saunders from Oxford, um, who's who's telling the story of of all this. Um, uh, do, you you know what? I ended up looking it up. Cat, do you know the difference between yeah. a graveyard and a cemetery? Uh, <laughs> uh, I do not. A, a cemetery is where bodies are buried, but a graveyard is where they're buried within a churchyard. Oh, all right. I, I made it as if in, to being a, to being a forty eight year old goth, and I never <laughs> really understood. <laughs> so I was going to say, you, you put think, me to right? goth shame. There's, there's goth yeah, shaming right. going on right here. I don't know about right. that. Um, uh, the the set is great. This this uh, cemetery that's shrouded in fog. There's a lot of great fog in the movie. Um, uh, just kind of like Mark of the Vampire, the, the other non-universal Lugosi vampire film. Um, beautiful looking stuff. But the best part is there's a werewolf stalking to the graveyard. And he's, you know, we're so used to um, uh, Cheney Jr. as the wolfman standing erect on two feet, but but then also having this very animalistic style of movement and growling and, and sensibility. And here what we have in the character of Andreas is is a guy who's he's basically made to whatever has happened he's to him. And friendly. That, his, he he yeah, looks like adorable he, werewolf. He he kind of does. He he looks quite, there's a little bit of a Shih Tzu kind of like thing going on with the <laughs> yeah. makeup, right? I mean, he's really, he looks like a little bit of a dog. He's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I, what I think, I think werewolves have just different species, just like canine mm. species. I mean, if you look at the, the difference in, Monster Squad and uh, American Werewolf of London and, and so forth. Dog I just think of it sense. as, oh, that's a different breed. Not species, breed. So that, this is the that, Andreas breed. <laughs> that, I'll buy the, that. That makes sense. Yeah, um, the kindly uh, puppy dog breed. Uh, Andreas also has the power of speech and, and the power to... Mm. It seems like one of his main jobs in the film. He, he's Armand Tesla's... He delivers his laundry. I mean, he's, he's always carrying these little oh, parcels. Oh, the mysterious in string, right? bundle. Um, basically, Andreas, he, he goes to this crypt, he goes in the door, goes down, and he's talking to a coffin, and he's talking to his master. Um, Andreas is, for for all intents and purposes, on the, the werewolf in this film is like the Renfield character. He's he's the vampire's servant, slave, you know, dutiful, you know, a uh, uh, helper and, and whatnot. He just happens to be a werewolf. And the film kind of... We, there's a little quote later on that, that sort of just combines vampires and werewolves into one lump thing that, that they're basically they're basically the same thing within the thinking of the movie. They're just uh, I guess they look different or they, they, they're formed differently. Um, which is kind of closer to like really what a lot of superstition and myth and, and even re- re- like like Christian religious doctrine, whatever have you lumps them together all these creatures of the night they're not as much separated as we're now think we now think of them from films like dracula wolfman uh well yeah i mean if you look at absolutist categories of good or evil and it's either one or the other then it it makes sense that there would sort of be a monolith yeah yeah exactly um and and vampires could turn into wolves so there was that kind of overlap yeah well so that's in Dracula 31, there's that issue uh, right. transforming. But in this one, it's, it's more like his pet. 
Yes. He doesn't turn into a, a werewolf to get away. He's just like, let me call my werewolf to go get this, this, and that for me and fill me exactly. in on what happened while I was asleep for the day. And- yeah, that, that's the other thing is he's he reports on him what happens during the day when he can't see. Um, there's a great shot of Lugosi's hand. I assume it's Lugosi's hand. It, it definitely has Lugosi hand yeah. acting mannerisms. Um <laughs> Wearing a wearing a very unique ring, uh, reaching up and opening the coffin, so it's great. Um, but we don't see Lugosi's face for this entire prelude of the film. We never see Lugosi's face. We we sort of see him from the side. We see his his cape covers him. We see some a lot of shadows. Um, the film never reveals Lugosi's face, and I don't know what that. I, it, I'm, I'm curious if that was a, and it, it might say this on one of the commentaries. I have not listened to the commentaries yet, folks, because I like to go in these kind of with my own kind of context. Um, I know there's people out there that probably know this better than me. Maybe you, Kat. Um, I don't know if that, was that, was that a, do you know if that was a conscious choice, like an artistic choice on the filmmaker's part, or was that a logistical choice? Uh, I, I don't, <laughs> that's beyond my purview as far as my okay. Lugosi knowledge goes off and defer to those who know more than I do. But yes. I'm guessing that maybe it's just to build some suspense because the, the, the characters don't immediately know that it's Tesla. Yes. So maybe it's to make you sort of relate to their being mystified by that. Like if, if you know right away from the beginning, then it, it kind of, detracts from their credibility as characters so i mean that would be one argument in favor of right. you know an artistic yeah. approach versus bela was too tired from the previous night's performance so <laughs> yes you know yes um, and and you know what honestly sometimes these things i found in my own films these things are a little bit of both it, sometimes you're forced into a, a certain choice just by circumstance and you find a way to make it an artistic choice you find a way to kind of sell it as mm-hmm. that so yes so Andreas informs uh, uh, the vampire who we haven't. I think he names him. Uh, we he did, he is named later on as Andreas uh, Armand Tesla. I should say. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of A names in the film. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, that that the he he sort of just infers like the lady has called the older doctor and brought him to the sanatorium. Um, so we know there's a sanatorium and we know there's a lady doctor is basically what what this is set up and what it leads us to is um, this sanatorium, which is a, we always do this on the show. It's not a sanitarium. A sanitarium is a place where people with mental disorders used to go. A sanatorium was a convalescent hospital, uh, the O mm-hmm. instead of the A. Um, so this, this sanatorium, which we're going to see in a second in an awesome little model shot uh, is run by a lady named Lady Jane Ainsley. And she's a scientist and, um, she is dealing with a patient who has un, un mysterious blood loss and, and, and other problems. And she's brought in pr- this guy named Professor Saunders, an older gentleman, to help her uh, solve this puzzle. Very much like we have a, uh, in, in this, the sanitarium, in, which is a sanitarium, in, in Dracula <laughs> 31, where Dr. Seward uh, is running the place and Renfield is a patient. So we do definitely have like kind of an overlap there where you're, you're given something kind of familiar, changed just a little bit, but you're, you're definitely in similar uh, uh, comfortable settings, yeah, right? So that's, that's a great subtle way to get around trademark violation. Right. One there you go. difference. <laughs> No, there's a there's an O instead of an A. We're telling you, it's different. Um, hey, if uh, I were their lawyer, I'd be pressing that. Shoot, there you go. Um, You're wrong, Universal. 
<laughs> uh, great shot of, of, of Lugosi walking out through the cemetery and getting on that horizon and like raising up his, his arms in the, in the, that, that bat like sh- silhouette kind of thing right next to a cross and everything. Um, actually mm-hmm. is right next to a cross. That's interesting. They're, they don't do much with the cross in this film, do they? I don't, I, no, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the vampire. It's, they take, they take that away from it. And maybe that's a, maybe yeah. that's in deference to the copyright. I well, don't know. When, when, when she's at the, the piano later, then, then it has a it factors oh, in there, but you're right. You're right. Interesting. But uh, beyond that though. Yeah. There's more an emphasis on not so much the cross defeating him so much as the, the stake through the yes. heart defeating him. Yeah. So the, the spike actually, it's, it's they change more, it to a spike, another subtle change. Ah, uh, yeah. There, so there's more of a his sort of temporal and physical presence versus a spiritual element. I mean, it does, yes. you know, play on good versus evil pretty extensively. But it's interesting, yeah, that they they focus on defeating evil in a very physical way. Even right. well, I won't jump to the end, but anyhow, that's sort of reinforced at the end. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, uh, Lady Jane Ainsley is played by Frida Inescort. I hope I'm saying that right, in escort. Um, she was 42 when they did the films. And so here in this 1918-ish era uh, time, I think she's just, you know, playing it straight, just made up hair, everything. When we skip later on to the, the 1943 part of the film, we see her aged up. And she actually does play most of the film aged up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. She's actually much younger and, you know more youthful than uh than she she plays in the in most of the film um so professor saunders has brought his granddaughter and like with him as he's come to consult with her and then lady jane's son is there and this is this is her son john and his his granddaughter nikki and that's going to play in a in a little bit where we we when we skip to the 43 section we skirt and see them grown up and that they've actually fallen in love and that um, you know that this follows through because Armand Tesla, uh, having 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 basically uh, killed, exsanguinated, drained uh, the one patient here at the the sanatorium, he's decided to pick a new victim, and his new victim will be young Nikki. So he's going to prey on this child, which is um, creepy, She's- dark. Right? Oh, yeah. Cross, she's kind of like the, the parallel line. of the flower girl. Oh, that's true. If if you're looking at this in the sense of it, you know, they're wanting to be continuity for a, a, a euphemistic sequel of sorts. But yes. uh, uh, we do have a, a cool bit where the, 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 the lady who is being treated is dying. Um, she's like calling out and she's saying like, I didn't tell them, I didn't tell them. She's kind of calling out to her master. So we do see that she has been placed under this kind of thrall um, by the vampire. And that's going to play into when we get to the part with Nikki, because she's definitely, there's this, there's a thrall type thing well, going if, on. You notice when, when she's in bed, when they move the light on her, her pupils were fully dilated. So it's yes. almost already implying that she's undead. Yes, yes, exactly. She's she's crossing over, um, but she doesn't. She dies, but she doesn't turn, which is you know again. Um, she wasn't uh, worthy. <laughs> a skip. Yes, exactly. I think maybe he, she was just food. Um, uh, we yeah. we see a uh, thing, but but what Professor Saunders figures out from her is that this. So, so the I think we're we're sort of set up to think 
that he's going to be our Abraham Van Helsing in the film. Mm-hmm. He's the older guy and he's he's the one who who sort of brings out the arcane knowledge of like, okay, here's the deal. Yeah. Who's, there's vampires. There's who's not a skeptic. Yeah. Yes. Um but we see very soon he he as soon as we get to the the quote present day of the film, um he gets moved out of the story and what I really like is is that Lady Jane sort of becomes she inherits the role from him and she becomes our Van Helsing for the for the film, which is mm-hmm. really kind of a nice handoff uh, uh, that the film does in, in another way of making itself kind of unique. Um, and she's a serious scientist, too. She, she, she's not someone's helper. She's, you know, she's a lady who runs this whole place. Um, yeah, which so is this pretty re- ahead of its time. Right, right, exactly. Um, so this reference book that they, that Professor Saunders brings out about the vampire has this drawing of Lugosi that's like, a really good likeness of yes. Lugosi. Those I don't know brows, who made that those, or how that those happened. Those 1920s but. brows. That that it just that image looks like his publicity photos from the original Dracula stage play. Mm-hmm. We're coming up on an anniversary. October 5th was when it first uh, opened oh, wow. in 27. Oh, but, but yeah, I see that picture. I'm like, ah, oh, those 1920s eyebrows. I love it. <laughs> um, so rarely do you get like that kind of like, like, like perfect likeness yeah the art department like 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 nailed that whoever did that i I wonder yes um uh i wonder if they had someone who did posters or something come in and 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 nail that down Mm. um definitely definitely based on a uh a a reference photo i'm sure um well uh as he's reading from this this tome of of knowledge uh uh, Professor Saunders comes to this part and he he reads, From the beginning of time, man has been troubled by the uncertainty of death and by the rare and horrible manifestations which occur at intervals in which the dead are known to return from their grave. Such people are known as vampires or werewolves. So there we get the, like I referenced before just a little bit ago, the the kind of uh, assimilation between, you know, the, the two. Uh, the two creatures of the night. Um, but it sort of establishes that they have this kind of symbiotic relationship, right? Cat that kind of like sets up yeah, to like, Oh, okay. That, that, that's the why the world serves them. I guess. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's like making you not question it. You're just like, look, this is the way it is. Roll with it. And if the film does that well enough, then you're like, okay, cool. World yeah, that's true. Vampire. They, they don't give you the opportunity to be skeptical. Right. Well, it's in a book. So you know, <laughs> it's in a book, and it and it's within the you know exposition or or whatever the the early enough stage that you're basically being told what to expect. Right, right. Um, and then they hit that again. There's this gray moment where and we'll get to when when uh, later on when Andreas is reconfronted by 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 Lugosi and and they have a great exchange. Um, uh, yeah. So so Armand Tesla comes in the the door of the bedroom and preys on poor uh poor nikki again professor saunders little little granddaughter um uh and they're you know it's like they're just figuring out that there's a vampire around you know they, they've sort of established this um he's finally kind of convinced lady jane that such a thing is possible and that such a thing exists and they're called in and they they see the same thing has happened to his his granddaughter so um and i i love the the way that they do it uh having him come in it's not you know, as a bad or creeping over the bed, like, like in Dracula 31, <laughs> but the way that the, the mist, you know, knocks out the glass and the door and yeah. forces its way in. And, and it's, 
it leaves so much to the imagination. If you know the lore, you know, oh, okay, he transformed into mist. Uh, if you don't like, <laughs> if you don't know that, you might you might be somewhat perplexed. But right. uh, I love the way they do that. So he, he's approaching, he's approaching, and then this mist just engulfs her. Yes. Yeah. And and. and- but but there's a physical. It makes sense. Like it's it's not like he uses the power of his mind to just open this door. It's like the mist somehow does it. There's a there's a physical way that he he basically he's B and Eing right. He's just breaking and entering. Yeah, he didn't need <laughs> but, to be invited. But as the mist, that's true too. That's interesting. Um, I don't know where that the invited thing. I know I know the having to have been invited is part of the lore, but I I don't remember mm-hmm. when it came back into like the let's call it the pop culture. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, vampire thing i i suspect lost boys uh because that was there's a big deal made of that to invite lady, a vampire in. um yeah yeah, yeah. That, that yes. point in that you're the man of the house and i'm not coming in unless the man of the exactly house yeah. nice nice cool <laughs> um yeah i just don't remember it being i don't know maybe it's in the hammer films i'm not as uh as uh, you know oh i, I don't know those at all films. yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I... there's there's other great podcasts that, that cover the Hammer films, guys. We're we're, we're gonna mm. we're gonna stick on this side <laughs> of the pond, um, for the most part. Uh, um, so Professor Saunders is convinced that it's a vampire, and by really a good logical, you know, train of thought, he he knows the vampire has to has to sleep in a, in a coffin with his native soil, and so he's he he just deduces like, well, there's a vampire around. He's got to be close by. How many? Cemeteries are are around. Is it cemeteries or graveyards? Hang on, cemetery. Right. I I, I <laughs> forgot my own definition. Um, how many cemeteries are around? They're like she's like I don't know, like six. And he's like, well, let's go one by one and look for signs of them. You know, it's kind of it's sort of like this Holmesian kind of like select mm-hmm. you know ra- rational deduction kind of thing. Um, they very quickly find their way into the cemetery and they see paw prints, sort of barefoot paw slight type prints left by andreas as he's been visiting tesla um they lead them to the to this mausoleum and they enter and sure enough there's the coffin and in a, in a very cool scene they um they they reference the mirror bit how you can't see the, the yeah. vampire cast but before before even that though they they open it and she's saying it's a man and he's alive. Like she didn't check the pulse. She didn't know. Right, right. It's like, wow, that is, that is some hardcore women's intuition. Look at the guy, he's alive. <laughs> yeah. And they get the mirror and I'm thinking, you know, initially I'm thinking, yeah, see if there's if there's breathing against the mirror. But no, they were just checking a reflection. You're breathing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it, it, one wonders how do you, I mean, well, he's obviously, he looks alive. You know, he's not de- decomposed. He's not decaying. He's not a skeleton. He's not whatever. Um, uh but but in, again, good process of elimination, good good scientific you know reasoning mm-hmm. before before you drive a stake through someone's chest, you do want to make sure <laughs> that it is a vampire and you're not just doing it to some poor dude who's in the grave. Um, and Professor Saunders holds up this mirror to the face of Lugosi in the crypt, and we have a great shot of the mirror, like an insert shot of the mirror, and you just see the you see the collar and the necktie mm-hmm. and and the and the jacket and everything of of what he's wearing, but there's just nothing inside it. And they just obviously had to like prop out the, they had to figure out how to shape out that, that thing. And that's, you know, for kind of like not the hugest budget film and something was probably filmed kind of quickly and stuff. That That's a little complicated bit they did. And I thought that was just like, it's a nice touch, right? Yeah. You probably know 
how much labor would go into doing that well or doing it poorly. But yeah. Uh, so Andreas is back with with the what we've been talking about. He's got kind of like a bundle wrapped in Mystery paper and bundle. twine. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, but I got to say, like, I you can see this is a weird element of the film, but a vampire can't wash his own clothes, and Tesla. I never assumed it was laundry. Wants to, I've, 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 I constantly assume it's laundry. I think I know that that's how they used oh. to bundle laundry back in England back in the day. Um, and what else could he want? He do, he doesn't need food. He doesn't need anything like that. I think Andreas goes out and has his cape and tie and everything clean so that. You know, <laughs> I never um, thought of that. <laughs> I think my when I probably the first time when I'd be watching it with no bias, I, I just assumed it was stuff for him. Mm. Like, hey, I'm you know I'm on my way to meet my boss. Let me grab some lunch on the way there. You know? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I assumed it was uh, Andreas's things. Here's my sandwich and my yeah, exactly. You never know a little book. Um, uh, <laughs> he he kind of arrives just as um, Professor Saunders has placed like like we said, it's not a stake. It's actually an iron spike, and they reference spike mm. a few times. They say spike says stake, mm. um, and he's kind of casually just pounding it <laughs> into his chest. He's not. He's not putting a lot of effort into it. He's just like, eh, here we go. You know, boop, 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 boop. It takes him a few well, we hear, taps. Yeah, we, we hear the 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 muted off-screen death once again of just, yes. ah, and that's it. <laughs> this awful sigh, a, which is very strange. Well, which, yeah, but it, it's also a very relaxed way to die. Yes, <laughs> it is. Not it is. Yeah, to be, to be imprisoned, I suppose. Cause right, 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 right. Being killed. Which, which, you know, they get to do, where whereas that initial cry when uh, Van Helsing stakes Dracula Lugosi in the 31 thing, his his moans were censored in I, they were they're in the original film and you can still hear them now but they were that mm-hmm. sound effect itself was censored and some of that scene was cut out was in a lot much. of countries they were they were it was viewed as too gruesome that you could hear dracula like oh you know well the, and the you whole. have uh, you have mina's sympathy pains in that one and then in this one andreas seems to have sympathy pains mm-hmm it's true it's true it, it affects him physically too first of all like like you know oh uh, and then also, um, yeah, he kind of grabs his chest. It's like, we're like, oh, oh, um, the master. But what happens is that he he falls down and we have a slow transfer, transformation process of him going back to being a human. So in, you're right, like they're, they're not really killing Tesla, yeah, but they are like, they are Saunders like. Saunders is pretty cool about it. Him. Like they, they don't even seem, they're just sort of taking it in. They're not like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's, just looking as as very matter of fact, like oh, okay, now he's a guy. It's not something you very see response. every day. It's it's a sort of a strange, like oh, yeah. well, okay, now he's now he's a person. Um, he's a, he's this handsome looking dude now. Oh, you know. Um, so but you know they move to help him, and uh, they're you know, and, and what what is going to happen is that she, uh, Lady Jane is going to take Andreas in and take him under her wing, and he's going to actually become like kind of her helper. At the sanatorium, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's very kind of her. She's, we, we see her as someone we admire. Like, oh, that's a good person right there. That's, you know, that's someone who cares and who helps out people. Yeah, who she, need it and stuff. she got into science for the, the benefit of mankind aspect of it. The, the non-mad scientist uh, role, right? <laughs> as opposed to all those dudes, yeah. right? That did are just, they end up wanting to make an army of invisible people or whatever, right? That's, <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> plant people or, or what have you. Uh, yeah, so exactly. She, she's, she's making her, her moral army because she wanted yes. to rehabilitate him from a moral standpoint. That, that, well, that really makes sense. That's really nicely said. Oh. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, here's, here's the moment where we have a jump in the film's uh, timeline where we, we are going to, um, you know, we're, we're leaving uh, Armand Tesla, you know, uh, with a stake, with a spike through his heart in his crypt. Um, well, more or less. Um, and Lady Jane's taking Andreas under her wing. Pre- presumably young Nikki is safe. Everything's fine. So we, we skip from 1918 to 1943. Now we're in the midst of the war years. And we're introduced to Sir Frederick Fleet, uh, played by Miles Mander, um, who is uh, with Scotland Yard. And he's he has Lady Jane in his office, now a, a slightly aged up uh, uh, Lady Jane. Um, Professor Saunders has died in a plane crash. Um, they don't mention if it was uh, military involved or he just happened to be flying somewhere. And he's in, because we are now in the midst of the Blitz in in uh in london so uh, in case <laughs> uh i don't have livio here to 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 reiterate all the stuff about world war ii but we do like to oh. kind of like set set the tone of where you know when these films were made this film is being made in america at a time when when england when london is being bombed nightly by the german military by the luftwaffe um the jerry's uh, as they say exactly they say jerry's a lot um yeah um uh, uh america it's it's 1943. America is in the war, um, but we've only just kind of just gotten into it. So there's a lot of uh, the the what is called the Battle of Britain is still raging. Um, so so all this supernatural stuff with vampires and werewolves and everything for the rest of the film is going to take place like kind of in the shadow of what's happening globally. And the film acknowledges it, but it doesn't dwell on it too much but it, it uses it as a backdrop mm-hmm. and i do think again as opposed to universal being very hesitant to allow current events to filter into their combined mythology of their stories oh that's um, true yeah this is a neat choice this is this is them going the opposite direction it's like no 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 we're gonna we're gonna make this a critical part of the story Topical. to the point where it's mm-hmm. a german bomb that blows apart the because Lady Jane and, and Professor Saunders have reburied Armand Tesla in the ground. They took him out of the crypt for, I'm not sure why, but they did. And they put him in the ground. And <laughs> a bomb basically ruptured. The, the, the cemetery gets bombed. And in the doing of that, uh, Lugosi's, or Lugosi, uh, uh, Armand Tesla's body is sort of <laughs> thrown up into the, into the well, right? But Lady Ansley does specify when they go to check it out. And I hate jumping out of sequence, but she yeah. does specify, you know, we put him very specifically here in an unmarked grave between this guy and that guy. So right. maybe they took him out and buried him so that sort of as a, you know, configuration management or a control to know for sure it, we're safe as long as this guy is very specifically right here. It, 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 that makes sense. And it does seem like it would be safer to have him below ground, buried under earth, that no one can get to him and, and pull that stake out. Yeah. Just, just to be safe. I don't know. Um, in any case, <laughs> Professor Saunders is, is now died. Uh, Sir Frederick Fleet, uh, has found his diaries wherein, or, or notes or whatever, wherein Professor Saunders, uh, made, made, like, told the story of what he and Lady Jane did to Armand Tesla. 
Sir Frederick not being a believer in the supernatural or vampires or anything like that is, is, is has serious concerns that that Lady Jane helped murder a dude. <laughs> like like mm-hmm. that this is a serious thing. I'm not sure. It seems like it seems like a man in his position would have other more pressing things to be worrying <laughs> about. The war going on and all this stuff. Well, but, maybe it was a hey. friend or a friend of a friend. Yeah, you never know. So, you know, uh he is interested in what is what is really a cold case file, like for sure, mm-hmm. like, literally cold. Uh, uh, he's he, and he's saying like, I'm going to be investigating this, and if we find that you drove a stake through a guy's heart, you're in trouble. He says homicide, although mm-hmm. so so the implication is that Montesa possibly was a, was a living man, and then they did this to him, not that he was already dead and they did to him, which that wouldn't be homicide. That would just be like tampering with a body or doing something i'm not <laughs> sure what yes exactly i know what that would, that would um uh so so that sets up but it's a nice bit where like you're like lady jane might be in trouble like oh hang on like where have mm-hmm. we landed um as opposed to everything being you know just splendid and all um but lady jane's like he's kind of given her he's kind of coming at her with stuff and lady jane is not taking his shit like uh, she's one more thing i like about her is she's just like okay bring it you know we'll we'll see who's right um she's mm-hmm. she's she's convinced in, in in the righteousness of what she did um which is great uh she goes home and now we see her son john and his fiance nikki sir uh her son john who's kind of the only one in the film whose british accent is kind of non-existent uh, everyone else all these people were supposedly living in london in a in a refreshing thing are actually pretty british sounding huh um, i it his his non accent didn't even stand out to me i, I think, think it, accents I, really only stand out to me when they're poorly done right yeah exactly so it, what john it's like when we first meet him there's an affectation i think that he's trying to do it a little bit i don't believe that the actor was really from england um and that kind of quickly goes away a little bit um as opposed which to like why I didn't of, notice. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to She Wolf of London, which is supposed to take place in Scotland and like nobody's Scottish except for like the one housekeeper lately. Uh, um, uh, yeah, they weren't you, as preoccupied with that kind of realism back then though. No. Um uh John, her son John, who's now grown to manhood, uh was in the British uh uh Air Force uh, Air, Air Service, I'm not sure. Um uh was shot down and wounded during the Battle of Britain. Uh, and honorably discharged. So now he's gone back to his regular job, which is as a conductor of a symphony, um, which is neat. And, and I, I kind of, I wish that we'd had a chance to actually go to a symphony with Lugosi, right? Mm. And have him stalk mm. in the, you know, kind of like we have that scene in, in Dracula where they're going to see right. the, 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 the play. It would have been really cool. Um, oh, maybe it was in the original script. Maybe I wonder. I wonder if there wasn't. I mean, it seems a random thing to have him be a conductor. Make a deal yeah. out of him, him. Yeah, they make a deal out of him being a conductor, and yet we never really. It never factors into the thing. Um, uh, Lady Jane embraces Nikki, who who is still in some sort of. Uh, she looks like she might be in some sort of civilian guard or something. She's got. Oh, a okay. uniform on. I'm not sure, or she's just you know. Yeah, I wasn't. I I wasn't sure what the uniform meant to imply. But yeah, it has some sort of wings or something like that on it, or some sort of crest or anything. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like she's doing her part uh, during this this time as well. Um, um, 
and yeah, I think there's even a reference to it that some because so, you know they're they're planning on being married. Um, of course, yeah, they're engaged, and and she's excited. And, and Lady Jane's like, well, you you know, he's not going to be my problem pretty soon. He's going to be your problem. So, mm. um, uh, yeah. So, so it's nice that they these two kids have grown up to be in love and and looking forward to a happy uh, happy future. Except for the fact that Armand Tesla has has different ideas. Yeah. Um. She could get an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> See, Kat's like, ditch the dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. she settles for something inferior. She had this this freebie upgrade, but whatever. Right. <laughs> um, uh, at the end of this, we you know there is there's a German bombing raid, and everyone has to go uh, take cover. Um, the we have some footage of some explosions, uh, and then we do cut to, back to the graveyard, and we see that that it has been ruptured by the bombing um and these two blokes right <laughs> uh great uh, grave digger characters um kind of very shakespearean types uh they they, they hmm. come across and they find it, it's nighttime now and they find that yeah his uh tesla's body has been like kind of pulled out from the ground and they they see the spike in his body and they're like well that that's a shame and they think they assume that the spike was yeah. thrown in there during the bombing right well, and it, it's such a sign of the times. I, I don't think you would have anybody with that sense of decorum today. I, I don't think somebody would be right. concerned about a desecrated corpse. And I see that. No, I mean, I, I love that's one thing I love about. Yeah, you know, one thing I love about old movies is is just that that different culture that yes. you know honor was very prevalent and was, it took. Now, I'm not saying that era was wasn't without major flaws, but. Watching this movie, I'm like, man, those guys actually cared. <laughs> they thought, oh, well, that's not right. Like, wow, people actually cared back then. That's like, wild. They take it upon themselves to like fix that problem. Yeah, I mean, just exactly. just the fact that that was credible in the scripts it reflects on the, yes. the culture. Anyhow, that that stood out to me. I was like, wow, they yeah. actually care. I love that. But it's a great plot point. It's like, how do you get? Yeah. You know, from a writing standpoint, how do you get the the, the vampire's got a stake through his heart? He's buried in the ground. How do you get him back? And these mm-hmm. two weird occurrences, right? The first one being the bombing that that frees them mm-hmm. you know, from the ground. The second one being the guys who who physically pull the stake out of him, think, you know, thinking they're doing the, the right thing, and then rebury him. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. So you know, you don't question. You're like, okay, well, that yeah. It's basically what I'm saying is is it's all the Nazis' fault, as usual, <laughs> right? If it wasn't for them, well, it wasn't for the war, Hitler bombing. Tesla's yeah. left left in his grave and never bothered. It's all those. It's all the Jerry's huh. fault, um, <laughs> which I think I think they use Jerry's a lot because there's a certain sensitivity about German American audiences. So well, yeah, it, the um, the Office you know. of War Information was screening films being produced at that time too. So they oh, wow. they would go through for uh, dialogue and things that that referred to anything to the the war abroad or like rationing gas, rationing rubber, that sort of thing. So if a movie had a lot of driving in it, I think the Ape Man, I was reading about, Mm. they were looking at the Ape Man, like here you had too much driving, you know, there's a gasoline ration. And so that's setting a poor example. So the Office of War Information, yeah, maybe they were particular about using something mildly pejorative. They were, they were, they were sent, they were not censoring, but they were advising Hollywood on like what to show. Um, there, mm-hmm. in case no one knows this, there was, there were restrictions based on how, on how much you could drive during the war because, uh, you, you would use rubber and you'd use gasoline and that was dedicated mm-hmm. towards the war effort. So just as an example, my grandfather had, 
some kind of uh, job where he had to go inspect dams or something in the area in, in Pennsylvania. So he had a special card that he drove with that he could show anybody and it, it would allow him to say like, I'm allowed to drive this extra amount because of that. Wow. So yeah. Americans and, and people across the, the, the West as well and everywhere, but Americans did sacrifice quite a lot during this, this time. This mm-hmm. is a really serious time in 20th century history, obviously. And somehow studios are still making vampire movies, which really is just a fascinating. <laughs> okay, well, that's you know, the, but, the but screenwriter. Purpose, yeah. What I well, what I read was the screenwriters saw Bela in the uh, the Dracula revival tour that he had been doing, and thought, "Hey, you know that Universal is making money off horror movies again. I think it'd be great to do another vampire movie." So, right. horror was you know back on the ascendancy. The, they uh, and, they and had some done people, the. Some people, the re-screenings of Dracula, the re-release of Dracula and Frankenstein, um, and then on the heels of that, yeah, horror start or Universal started up its horror. Franchise so yeah, again. so it was making Wolfman, money again. Yeah. So that the writer didn't want Columbia to miss out on that. Said, hey, we should pounce on this opportunity. So uh, you know, and, and some people have speculated that people wanted horror movies as a contrast to the reality, you know, mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. horrors of war, like going in. You know, vampires being mild by comparison. Right. Exactly. So I mean, and yeah, the, they were popular the, with the troops. They were really popular with the troops. Uh, yeah, Wolfman was yeah, a huge hit in 1941. Um, uh, and, and in its re-releases. Um, um, so we have a great scene. So, you know, uh, out here of Bella literally like digging his way out of the ground. So we see like the, his fingers kind of clawed. But we, something we haven't really seen a lot in the, the universal iterations, the, the, the actual mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, I, it, for some reason, it just, it reminds me of, um, there's a great scene in the one season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where she's buried and she has to literally like, <laughs> crawl her way out of the, the, the earth. And when she meets Spike again, her, her vampire friend, he sees the bloody hands and he's like, I know how that happened. You know, I, I've, I've done that myself. So it's, it's an interesting you know, kind of concept. Um, oh, see, I'm not familiar with that series. I, I'm thinking you were headed toward a, a zombie reference. Oh, yeah. Well, that too. Yeah, exactly. Um, the dead <laughs> coming back. Uh, uh, Andreas is sent. Okay. So, meanwhile, um, Lady Jane has, has talked to her son about what's going on with Sir Frederick and about her being investigated for murder and this whole bit. And Andreas, in his, you know, facilities of helping out around the place has hurt has overheard it um so he kind of knows uh that something that something's back up with with armand tesla his former master whatever um he sent uh i don't know if i'm ahead of myself it's a, but he he's in the great he's back in the graveyard crossing through and he runs right into armand tesla um and there's a great scene of him being confronted with with Lugosi, and it this is yeah. really the first time we've seen Lugosi, right, in the film. Yeah, actually, yeah. The, yeah. I, the, the, the soundtrack, time. the score for this scene is just mm. to me it, it's so memorable because it, it's sort of sorrowful and fateful, and yeah. it matches the dialogue so well when when Lugosi's saying, "No, I." your fate, you know, my fate is to be your master and the music just complements that so well. It's as opposed to at this point, I wish I could hear it right now. (laughs) Yeah. As the the point universal is starting to rely on, on the library of Saul and Skinner music that that they kind of re 
play over and over and over again and replace in all their films. This is, we're talking about, you know, an actual score written just for this film for the most part that, that really does key in on, like you said, Kat, like, like really like the emotional moment that we're, we're watching. Um, Andreas thought he was free. He thought he was done with this guy and, and like a addiction that comes back or something, you know, or like a, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a bad ex, I guess, (laughs) like a toxic (laughs) ex, ex partner. Um, he, he turns around and there's, there's, Tesla staring at him. Well, his trademark line, I, I always say it's not a Bela movie until he calls somebody a fool or even on his TV show appearances. I would love to see a montage of every time Bela called somebody a fool. So even here, when, as soon as he says, you're a fool, Andreas, a complete utter fool. I'm like, yes. All right. Now it's a Bela movie. That's really funny. Like it, you could do like a, a super edit, right? Of like, of just oh like yeah, I, I'm dying to find that. If I knew how to create one, I would. But that, that, every there. time he delivers that line, it becomes a Lugosi movie and true. I would. We would put that on the podcast. You, you, you do that, and we'll we'll put it together for you. I promise. Um, I, I like his lines to him right now. He says after he calls him a fool, he says, "You know, <laughs> your your fate is to be what you are, as mine is to be what I am." So. Again, this not being a Dracula character, this being a, a slightly different vampire who we do not super clearly know how he became what he is. Um, you know, he's he's sort of saying the subtext here of like, look, I'm a thing that does bad things, right? But I wasn't made this way. I This is just my lot. So, you know, your, your job's mm-hmm. to be the werewolf. My job's to be the vampire. We all have a purpose <laughs> to play in this film. Here we go. You know, it's... It's what it is. It's it doesn't absolve him of the bad things he's doing. I'm just saying, like it's, you know, it 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 yeah, it, it establishes the thing. It reiterates his his ability to control people too, because Andreas puts up a fight. Like, no, I I won't let you. And and Bale is just like, you know, it's not a matter of you letting. This isn't a contest. I already won. Very so true. Totally, he's yeah. asserting his power. Yeah. Um. They they. You know, so, so here's here's Lugosi playing a vampire in his early 60s, uh, as opposed to very early 50s when he played, um, uh, uh, you know, Dracula originally um, in, in late 40s, I guess, when he was playing him on the stage. And he's, as you said, Kat, he, he he's not a he's not a great 60. He's he's lived life. He's been mm-hmm. in war. He's been injured. He's had health issues. He's had addiction problems. He's had all these things. Um, but what I what's neat, the, the film as it mentions Armand Tesla, like it, it, it goes against this idea of this young, beautiful vampire. It it says like Tesla wasn't a young man when he became a vampire. So the Mm. fact that we can see the age on Lugosi's face doesn't go against his undeadness. Right. A lot of the, yeah, a lot, a lot of the biographers point that out, how he kind of got a little puffy. His, his drinking was a lot heavier by that point. Mm -hmm. It's, same thing happened to Ed Wood, just you know, really heavy alcohol problem made him puff up. But right, right. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Does. He's not he's not the the svelte, uh, you know, whatever. Anne Rice style, right? <laughs> it's true. There, yeah, I don't know. I I didn't think of that. I guess because I'm so enamored with him, anyways. But yes. yeah, well, yeah, he's yeah. not as reliant upon the sex appeal here. It's just he's asserting dominance. It's more executive fiat. Like, nope, I decided that. That's that's so well said. Yeah, no, you're right. It, 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 but it doesn't. You know, maybe maybe the one only kind of issue with one of my favorite films in the world, Abnakaso meet Frankenstein, is the fact that when we see Dracula mm-hmm. in that, he is noticeably older than the last time we saw Lugosi on play, quote Dracula on 
film and you know he's obviously oh well yeah um having said that i think he pulls him off great and i like this latter iteration of Mm. of lugosi where he he does he's he's no longer the black cat or the raven era lugosi Mm -hmm. right he he doesn't have that anymore and you know Mm -hmm. because time is done with what time does to all of us um but he doesn't lose any of his dominant dominance like like you still like when you see him in a scene you're kind of not looking at anyone else in the scene. It, it's hard for him to not right. just overpower an entire, like I've talked with that about that on the Raven and stuff. Yeah. It's, that's, that's one of his most compelling, uh, you know, attractive features to me personally is just that, you know, what, I guess, I don't know the masculinity. I know our culture is very sensitive to, to defining that or anything, but yes. just his, his voice, his height his confidence. And he was actually such a sensitive and vulnerable and insecure guy. I mean, yeah, like any actor, right. But right. he, he was so sensitive and so emotional. So the persona that he projected wasn't, you know, necessarily emanating from within, but man, just convincing in every sense. But yeah, I read about him like, Oh, this poor little guy. And I wish I could have nursed him through recovery and <laughs> things like that yeah um, exactly all the ups and downs but um no and it's just yeah his stance and his everything so um so here's here's the the kind of crux of of what leads us through the rest of the film is um tesla wants revenge on lady ann's lady ainsley for imprisoning him and 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 you know doing this to him um he also having started to feed on Nikki when she was young is he's either, I'm not sure if he's drawn to her just as a person. Like there's a, there's some kind of connection there, like a, a whatever, or if he's just mm-hmm. obsessed with finishing what he started. It, it doesn't really go into that. I like, I like to think of the well, idea that I, maybe there was some kind of transference. And now there's a bit of a Mina thing going on with, with Nikki, with, with him. Yeah. Kind of like claiming her as a bride, but I, I think she's more a tool in the situation and exacting revenge against Lady Ansley. Otherwise, okay. he could have just gone after and, and chewed on anybody. But, True. you know, he, he takes credit for uh, Saunders dying in a plane crash. That, that was my curse. And it's like, well, it took Right, right, right. That Sa- Saunders somehow died to, to, because of him. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think he's he's a very vengeful vampire. Yes. Interesting. Like with, with an e- e- um, eternal list of grievances. <laughs> so, right, 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 right. So in um, a sense, it is unfinished business, but I, I think it's more about I'm going to hurt you where it counts kind of thing. Makes sense. Um, so there's a there's a character named Dr. Bruckner who we never really see because he's he's a doctor from Europe who was in a concentration camp and who has escaped and is coming to England to help um, help Dr. Ainsley or to just at least she's she's going to be his kind of like well, sponsor yeah, or something, she, right? She talks about, yeah, freeing him as, as a fellow scientist. And yes. I thought, uh, you know, in light of the, the Office of uh, War Information, I I wonder whether they had to sort of divorce the character from being a German national. Yes. Because she's saying, you know, we're helping a fellow scientist and that sort of elevates it to a, a really 
generic yes kind of level. yeah yeah it sounds you're right exactly it sounds like they had to genericize him because bruckner being obviously sounding like vaguely germanic or, or austrian um well and he, they said he was from heidelberg so i mean oh, okay that makes sense yeah. even if he's jewish he was probably a german citizen yeah. right i think that's kind of the idea is it ba- they basically got him out of england she has sent andreas to the coast um because again blackout conditions and the Jerry's and bombing and Battle Britain and everything. He's he's kind of coming secretly across the, the channel. She sent Andreas, her assistant, who she does not know, has now returned to his werewolf mm-hmm. and uh, a kind of servant state to retrieve Dr. Bruckner. And she's never seen Dr. Bruckner. So that the 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 scheme now is <laughs> that Andreas kills Dr. Bruckner um at, at Tesla's command. Um takes his clothes, takes his ID, takes all his wallet and everything like that, and brings them to Armand Tesla. In the nice bundle. And so what's going to happen is Lugosi's going to impersonate Dr. Bruckner as a way to infiltrate Lady Jane's sanatorium. (laughs) Um, There's just, and I I just want to break out of everything right now, there's a shot or two of Andreas in werewolf form carrying his parcels, uh, going across these bombed out cityscapes, which is just, you know, it's not even really part of the narrative of the story. It, it doesn't, he could be walking through anything. It doesn't matter if it's this or not, but it's so evocative. Um, these shots of yeah. London, I mean, where, wherever these are shot, I, I have a feeling these might have been other sets on somewhere at Columbia that were being used oh. for, for films that were, huh. remember, this, this seems like a lot of set decoration and design and time and money well, to be spent on just a they few had to go to shots. like what was it fine art cinema or something like they they had to go somewhere else for the, the graveyard scenes oh that's that. interesting but, huh but yeah, yeah they, they make Colum- it a point yeah. to show that it they make it a point to show as well that it's a demolished church yes, in particular yeah. I, I think that that that's sort of you know, garners extra sympathy. Like, right. look, you know, even churches are being bombed. Of course. That's yeah. 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 Firebombed and stuff. So it's just a, I mean, it's amazing. There's like two or three little mini scenes of, of him walking through. So, so, uh, but, mm-hmm. but what this establishes is this is, uh, uh, Armand Tesla's new hideout is, is I think in the basement of a destroyed church. So again, we have this thing mm-hmm. where like he's able to go on sacred ground, which is interesting. Um, as opposed to, <laughs> to, you know, some of the other oh. uh, methodologies yes, that we, once, we see. Once it's been obliterated, it doesn't count anymore. I know? wonder if that's kind of part of the idea. I wonder if that's actually, mm-hmm. you know, the, the thinking. It's 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 really neat. Um, so this time it does make sense that he's carrying a part. Andres is carrying a parcel because this is actually. Yes. Like, yes. This, like, like, and he, ex- he explains the content. So he, he justifies carrying it. Yeah. Here, here's all of Bruckner's stuff for you, Master. So, um because uh, he's done this kind of, you know, um, it seems like it's during the day. I don't know if it's supposed to be day for night or not. Um, uh, and here's all your junk and everything. So um, here we have, is it is it this where we have the one scene where we actually, yes, we actually do see Lugosi standing up a, up out mm-hmm. of the coffin and getting out of it, which I so always joke. nighttime. Yeah, yeah. So I always joke that like we rarely see that in films. We rarely see the vampire getting out of a coffin because having – Having laid in a few coffins, not real coffins, prop coffins, I will say, like, <laughs> like it's not an easy thing to get out of gracefully. It's a weird... 
You're no, learning I, like I, a little box, I read right? that that was an explanation, yeah. Yeah. Um, I read that that was one of the reasons they didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, you could climb out of it as a person and be like, and you're like, that person got out of the, that, that coffin. But you want to believe that the vampire has this more supernatural, you know, agility and whatever. Yeah. And I think it's just really huh. awkward to climb your way out of one of those things. Oh, especially in, in his condition at, at that point in right time. On. Huh. You grab, you can't grab the lid because the lid swings, right? It's on hinges. So the lid's not, you can see him grab it for a minute and it, and it moves because it's, you know. It's it's huh. a thing. Um, but he does. He gets out of it kind of gracefully. Although now you have the shot of like Andreas, his face, and then Lugosi's like cut off at the chest because he's standing mm. up in a coffee. It's really funny. It's just a funny. But they they filmed it and honestly, the credit to Lugosi, he pulled it off. He pulls it off here and he pulls it off in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. He gets out of those coffins. You would think that. Well, I mean, he had enough experience, right? <laughs> yeah, you would think, right? So yeah, maybe maybe the first time he ever did it. He would look back and, and it's be like, embarrassed. Compared it's like to the ten thousand hour thing, right? That they talk about. It's like you just you just have to spend that much time doing something to do it really well. And Legosi spent the ten thousand hours getting out of coffins, where, whereas most people do not ever have that opportunity. It was just it was part of his bit. Such that we know of. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, um. So now, so yeah, he's he's going to take over the identity of of uh, Bruckner. Um. Uh, with this idea, I think not only to take revenge on Lady Ainsley, but to kind of destroy the evidence of her investigation into him as well. I think he's trying to kind mm. of um, wipe the slate clean and so no one else can follow in her. Now that he's free again, so no one else can like follow her. So it's it's a neat um, – he, he's got – what I always like, especially in, for some reason a lot of Lugosi vampire films, is that he's got an agenda that is not just – uh, I'm going to bite people and drink their blood and sustain my existence. Mm-hmm. He's got like a, he's got a secondary tertiary, you know, purpose that he's, he's on, he's on a mission. And in Dracula, it's, it's, I'm going to go to England and I'm going to find fresh blood and I'm going to um, establish myself. So he's got all these things he's got to do to accomplish his, his goals beyond just stalking. Cause honestly, like it could just be a movie where he just stalks poor people in the alleys and bites them. And that's not really a film, right? It's not. No, okay. that'd be it's, more a TV show. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a yeah, victim <laughs> of the week or whatever. Um, the stakes have to be higher. Stakes have to be higher. Um, <laughs> than, than, than that. Spikes. Um, yeah, exactly. Spikes. Is, is, well, is, even is with the, with the opening in Dracula 31, when they, they show his wives, you know, and then he, mm-hmm. he leaves them. Just like, uh, yeah, he knows better things await in the afterlife, but uh, he leaves yeah. them. And then Mina sort of is positioned to become one of his wives. So even here right. with Nikki, that, that might be part of the agenda. He, he wants to rebuild his stash. His his harem. Fatal. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, not at all interested in, in biting Lady Ainsley. Like he doesn't seem to... You know, she's she's too old for him, I guess. I don't know. Or again, like we said, we have this we have this connection where he he started in on Nikki and he wants to finish what he started. He's a completist, I guess. I don't know. Um, he likes servitude. So, yeah. you know, having established that and being able to have mind control over her, which we haven't gotten to yet in the movie, really. But um, right. I, I think maybe it's just that sort of built in servitude of I think you know, she's already hard part's already done with her. Yes. I go deal with somebody who's going to fight you. 
That that's true. That's true. And and Lady Ainsley just might be too much of a match for him, to be honest. Like you know, it's it's like the mm-hmm. moment in Dracula where he says, you know, to Van Helsing, you where really someone strong. who's not lived only a single lifetime, you're a wise man. You know, he mm-hmm. he he tests his powers. So so here, okay. I mean, I gotta admit that the movie really is gets going right here. Where here we have Lugosi as Armand Tesla as Doctor Bruckner um, showing mm-hmm. up at at, at um, uh, uh, Lady Ainsley's party, and now we we have Bella in a tux with a white tie, the way we you know we're used to seeing him um, doing his thing, with doing his continental his... charm. That's what they always call it, right? Exactly. Um, and something that I think is neat about Market Return of the Vampire as opposed to Dracula, um, this vampire is very adept at blending in. Dracula mm-hmm. has some issues. Yeah, you know, Dracula is very foreign. He's unfamiliar with certain customs. Yeah. He 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 stands out. He doesn't blend in. So that's why he has to come over and be a count. So you can Yeah, that's you one can thing right off. I remember the know. the first Borgo Pass episode when you guys reviewed Dracula and you and you guys pointed out how, you know, he's sort of trying to figure out, I I didn't know but that you might be hungry. Like, you know, it's been so long since yes. he entertained anybody. Right, so right, right. Maybe because um Armin Tesla was already in this world, you know, as recently yes. as 1918. But um, yeah, he wasn't new to England. He wasn't new to to Brits or anything like that. Yeah, so right, he would right, be... exactly. It's it, like Scott said at the time, like like your Dracula is an alien, he, and in mm-hmm. in so many ways, he he's an alien. He's not a British person, so he's he's a foreigner, but he's also mm-hmm. 400 years old and dead. So there's a lot of um thing. Yeah, but I I do the learning like the, curve. Yes. I do like that that in this way, um, Lugosi get, gets to channel more like a Dr. Volan style performance, mm-hmm. like in The Raven, where he's... Yeah, yeah he's well, see, and, and it was and the same Kennedy. director, Lou Landers, but he, he used to be, what was it, Louis Friedman or whatever, when he directed The Raven, but same guy. I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah. You just... Get the heck out of town. Change. Get out of Transylvania. And the, That's right, hilarious. the cameraman... Yeah, the the cameraman had also worked with Bela at, at Fox many oh, cool. years earlier. So that is so neat. Yeah, that what right. a neat tidbit. That's going on the Facebook page. Okay, <laughs> um, Sir Frederick has brought over yeah. his dossier, um, or 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 whatever um, uh, Professor Saunders like like diary or notes or something, which looks suspiciously. I'll be honest, like the screenplay to the film. It, <laughs> it's got that telltale. In in screenplay in the film uh, world in screenplays you have a, a a you know eight and a half by eleven three hole punch paper and there's mm-hmm. a there's a brad that goes through the top hole and the bottom hole and not the middle hole I don't know why this is just how we do it I don't know why um it'd be easier to maneuver and that's suspiciously yeah, what so, so what, the prop what, guy yeah the prop guy had the day off <laughs> yeah something like that or or they thought that might be entertaining for for certain people to see anyway it looks suspiciously mm-hmm. like the screenplay to the film these notes of Doctor Saunders's <laughs> um. Or another film, who knows? Uh, um, he's brought them over to Lady Ainsley. Lady Ainsley is now off the hook because the the because t- when she and Sir Frederick went to examine the grave, he wasn't there anymore because Tesla has mm-hmm. escaped now. So so there's no evidence. So Sir Frederick's like, well, oh well, <laughs> basically, <laughs> like you're off the hook. Um, yeah. uh, you know, they think so. He's brought over Sir. Sir, uh, I'm sorry, Professor Saunders notes, give them to Lady Ainsley. So here's this bit of evidence about Armand Tesla that Tesla knows would would potentially lead other people to him or 
let them know about him. And part of his goal is to destroy it. So um, what he's going to do is have Andreas break in and, and steal, steal that for him. But first he's going to meet Nikki and I should say, uh, I'm sorry, Nina Folk, F-O-C-H. I'm not as, I'm not as familiar with her. I don't know much about her work or anything, but she's a looker. That's for sure. She's, she's beautiful. So yeah, I mean, that's how you get the part, right? I, obviously. Um, <laughs> but here we do have this very Dracula style and universal style thing, I should say, where, where you have the monster who's after the young girl and she's got this, you know, very kind of helpless fiance guy who's, who's not. Yeah. <laughs> Ineffectual. Yeah. 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 Which again, so she, she ends up with the, the lesser of two options, but. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> through, through the course so it of goes. Um, yeah. Is Lugosi you know, wearing evil a. got in the yeah. way. What do you can do? Yeah. Is Lugosi wearing a toupee in this or is this his real hair? Do you think? Uh, it seems like his real I hair, mean, but there, I mean, there's even, these persistent yeah, things about Lugosi's toupee. Well, he needed one in Dracula 31 so that he would have the widow's peak. The widow's peak, right. Because that wasn't... Yeah, so, but, I mean, when you look at... No, I mean, I, I'm no expert on toupees by any means, but uh, when you look at older pictures, even when he was in rehab, you know, mm-hmm. at, at 72, and he, when he's in that, he didn't really ever completely lose his hair, unless he's wearing toupees while he was in the, you know... I, I would find <laughs> that surprising. Going through detox and everything, but... Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I never thought about that, but it's like when you have the candid huh. shots of Bogart, and you're like, "Oh wait, <laughs> hang on," <laughs> and you realize Bogart had yeah. did not have that much hair as as by even by the time he was doing uh, 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 Casablanca and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I do think it's Lugosi's oh. actual hair. I was just I thought you might have yeah, some input I, on that. I mean, it didn't stand out to me. I, I mean, I didn't research whether it is, but mm-hmm. I, I would think just for the fact that he had it well after this, yes. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, in, in um, having just Costello meet Frankenstein, obviously it's been dyed. Yes. And when he did the um, Red Skeleton show, obviously it was dyed. Oh, it's and, very and so much it was, just shoe polish yeah, dyed, right? It was kind of obvious. Yeah, when it's that obvious, then I guess it does stand out to me. But yeah. uh, I think I, I think know, that maybe contributed to this legend of that it's a wig is is those shots like that huh. that make it look fake because of the dye. So, um, oh. I just I figured, yeah. I figured, ask, ask the expert. See, I'm, um, I'm so forgiving because I love him. So <laughs> he could have whatever he wants going on in his head. I, I would be indifferent to it. Right on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so there's, it's really, um, now we get into this thing where, so, so Nikki is going to be bit this night. Um, uh, and a few things are going to happen. So, so again, Lady Jane's desk is going to be broken into and Mm -hmm. Professor Saunders' notes Mm -hmm. are going to be taken and she's going to discover it and talk to Sir Frederick about it. Um, Simultaneously, um, Nikki is going to be attacked and bitten uh, uh, in in her room. Um, And so this is is Tesla, you know, instigating the plan. Is she bitten in her room or she... No, she's she's hypnotized to get up, right? Mm Mm-hmm. He summons her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the big differences between Dracula 31 and this one is his powers are far reaching in the sense that he still has that capacity for hypnosis, but he doesn't even have to be looking at somebody to control them. And and actually, when he's at the dinner party there before he gets the tour of the lab, he's actually discussing that that skill and that capacity with people just in a a conversational tone, not saying, yeah, and I practice this on my victims. I'm actually really good at it. Yeah. So um, he's discussing that from a scientific standpoint, 
and then he gets the tour of the lab. So now he knows where to send Andreas. Right. Exactly. Um, uh, and then, so, so Tesla as Bruckner has been put up at the professional club, which I guess is sort of a, uh, hotel for men, I guess. I don't know for like dignified men Mm -hmm. for gentlemen. Um, it's a high class Mm -hmm. thing. Um, but of course he's not, you know, he goes out at night and he comes back and he's going to go to his room and he has to tell people like, no one can come into my room during the day at all costs because the idea is that they won't find him there because he's not actually staying in his room. He's climbing down the outside of it. We don't see this, but I think the, the implication Mm -hmm. is he climbs down the outside of it, goes to the ruined church, goes down to his crypt and, and sleeps there. Um, so mm-hmm. he's, it's, it's a vampire, you know, the vampire is always in, in movies like this. He's leading a double life. Yeah. Yeah. And pulling it off very successfully. Well, you know, yeah. Um, uh, I like, I like all the stuff with Lugosi in a top hat in this too. Um, I, we, I know he's in the top hat briefly in Dracula 31, mm-hmm. but, um, except for that, you tend not to see that as much. So it is, it looks like the same room as the little kids were sleeping in when they're little is now Nikki's room because we still have the same door that opens and stuff, which is an interesting, you know, throwback. I don't know for, for one reason, the, the most, the thing I find most disturbing about this story is it's, it's, I guess looking through it again with a 2022 lens kind of it's, it's the groomer thing, right? It's that, it's that he, he preyed on her when she was a child and now she's an Mm -hmm. adult. He's still obsessed with her. It's, I don't think it's something that the writers at the time or even audiences at the time would have probably picked up on. Maybe it's my own specific sensitivity to something. Um, It's just strange that he made her kind of his when she was a little girl and that he's made her, he's, he's continuing to try and like uh, make her his victim. Well, it was, she's gotten older. Uh, it was it was an investment, so you know it, it, it's matured now, and <laughs> he's able to claim on it. Or you could, or you could look and, at it that way. So hey, it's, it's every interpretation's yeah. open. <laughs> uh, uh, I do. I, you know, we have some great stuff of of, of Nikki. Yeah, yeah, wandering the 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 the, uh, the house uh, at night. Mm-hmm. In her kind of, she's kind of he's turned her into a bit of a sleepwalker, and she she comes to him, man. She just uh, shows up, and here's here's. Armand Tesla waiting for her in a very foggy laboratory. For some reason, now the laboratory is very foggy. It's great. As someone who yeah. loves dry ice and, and fog machines, I, I can't get enough of it. That's why I love it when when they, even when they go overboard with it in yeah, the film, it's great. Well, that would be necessary, I guess, just for ambiance. But yeah, there's no practical point in the storyline for it. He's he, It's usually he either is mist and fog or yes. in the flesh. Yes. No. Huh. So here, here he is. Um, uh, he uh, he bites her, and, and I love and... this little speech. Yeah, but before he does okay. it, he does this this adorable romantic speech about how he's going to take her away, where they can be together forever. And All right. Of course, any, anybody who loves Bela is watching it. Like, yes, take me with you. you know, screw her. <laughs> this... What has she got? No, no, no. I can make <laughs> you so much happier. Take me with you instead. This is the yeah. best case scenario for some people. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I, I love this little speech that he gives because I, I have a great imagination and I can pretend standing there and he's, you know, sincere about every word. And I just love that little speech. I, I think, like I said, I think it's terribly romantic. So you, so you do think you know, that he is sincere about this, that he's not just playing her. Do you think he really does? Do you think uh, he has two know, goals? Or is it, who's it, been, as somebody who's been played so many times in relationships, <laughs> I am definitely not the best judge of character for sincerity coming from a man. Um, 
I just like to, uh, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's just an added bonus that it, it'll, you know, inflict great pain on her mom. And right. He, he really does desire her as sort of a, a bride figure or something. But interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think I just sort of suspended my belief or my expectation that he was vengeful because to me, it's like, oh, that's so romantic. He's going to take her away where no deaths can claim you. And he's got all these plans. We so, we, yeah. we were just, well, I do not have the same affection for Rondo Haddon as you have for Bella Lugosi. <laughs> I should make that clear. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking <laughs> in The Broodman how, how I tend to always root for the creeper in those movies just because I'm such a Rondo fan. I'm so sympathetic to him and what he went through in his life that I kind of want the creeper to, yeah. to be good and, and to do to succeed. Yeah. Even though yeah, that's he's, true. he's breaking I, people's spines. It's not, he's not doing good things. Yeah. So I shouldn't be rooting for him. But well, Bela, I, even exactly, even in the human monster, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's a toss up between the human monster and uh, murders in the room morgue, which is a more evil character. But Interesting. Even in the human monster, which I, I think is is actually a meaner guy. Yes. Uh, when you're you're drowning, you're drowning handicapped. This you know it's pretty bad. But it is. It's uh, grim. Yeah. Even then, it's like Bela can't be a bad guy to me. He's, he's just <laughs> you're. He's not. I I can never separate the the art from the artist when I'm watching him. It's, it's just the artist. You know, twenty four seven. It's hard. So. It's hard sometimes. I I, I yeah. totally understand. Um, um, so. Lady Jane and and uh, John run up and and find Nikki unconscious, having been bit. To to Lady Jane's eye, obviously having been bit, um, and she is instantly kind of goes into action again. This is this is Lady Jane as the Van Helsing character now. She's inherited mm-hmm. into this in this thing. So she goes and interviews the two knucklehead, right? Who who dug up or who took the stake out of. Uh, Armontessa's body and they she says like did you find a body here with a stake in or a spike in it by any chance and they say oh yeah we did and oh no we took it out you know, no, no, no. sorry everybody <laughs> um uh <laughs> and uh um and that's when she knows like oh okay so tesla's back um it's 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 this again the game's afoot it is it's well, very much the this holmes moriarty thing what did you say the ring. I'm waiting for the the movie to catch up to what I'm expecting, but the, right, she finds the ring, the telltale ring. That's right. That's right. That uh, she she asks about the ring or something, and the guy turns out he has it, and she's like, "Well, that that was that, that was, was the on ring the body." And, and the guy's like, "I don't. Like, oh, okay, well, I, here, take it. I, I don't want it. If it was it was on a dead body. The, I, yeah, because <laughs> these guys are. I don't know if they're grave diggers or they are like uh, civil air defense. So yeah, I th- I think it was just yeah. Uh, citizens doing their part yes um which which uh boris karloff was one of those guys too he was an air raid warden during world war ii oh. he would uh little i'm some account of this little girl who, lady who was a little girl during the time remembers boris karloff being the air raid guy and herding them into oh. a shelter at one point and what a nice gentleman he was or something yeah there's a there's a little oh. anecdotal story about that i i should, I should that's so that. sweet um during this time everybody again history lesson time for just a second uh many civilians volunteered to watch the skies mm-hmm. for enemy planes, to uh, man, yeah, stations, uh, and to do all sorts of other things attendant to the war without technically being in the military. There was a lot of volunteerism mm-hmm. that happened during this uh, very intense era in our history in the 20th century. So, yeah, I think these guys are like somehow civilian defense, era, and they're wearing little helmets that have a letter on it. And I'm sure yeah. to someone from that era in England that that would, I don't 
actually know what that refers to, but someone would know. And I'm sure someone mm. will let me know in the uh, posts <laughs> on social media, which is one of the best things yeah, about doing this is there's always someone with that rare knowledge of whatever they... I had a guy who was a coroner or who is a coroner, I guess, who explained very much how coroners work when I was confused oh, wow. by it um, in the episode of The Jungle Woman. Um, apparently coroners can hold court and, uh, set up a trial like a judge. Basically it's the medical examiner who actually examines the body usually. So I had that confused. See, and just, just like that, I'm smarter. How dare you you not know that? (laughs) Right. No, it's, it's, I love it. I I love, I love the attendant knowledge that comes with that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, again, they, they find the body's gone, uh, where, where the guys reburied it. They find that the ring is uh, there and, and, uh, she and Lady Jane takes it, so she, she knows she, um, she she knows te- Tesla's back. What she doesn't know, and what's a little confusing, because she did see Tesla in his coffin when she and Professor Saunders put a spike through his heart. What is a little yeah, confusing is she doesn't recognize Tesla in his, you know, alter mm-hmm. ego as Doctor Bruckner. Which hey, whatever. well, and also Andreas didn't age any. Like, how come he doesn't look any different after 20 years? Yeah, I kind of did. I think they grayed his hair a little bit, but I don't think it's noticeable in a lot of scenes. I think they didn't. Yeah, it doesn't um, count. Uh, Lady Saunders, or Lady uh, uh, Ainsley has not aged much. They, they've mm-hmm. silvered her hair a little bit, and I think they've... Well, her, her I think they've just done her eyes tired. a bit. Yeah, but she still looks lovely. Yeah. I mean, as a she's because she would well, yeah, be a sixty-year-old woman. Standard operating procedure for female lead. Yeah, right, right on. It goes um, without saying. But she's lost none of her. Yeah, exactly. I, I love her in this raincoat. She's she's on this Holmesian mm-hmm. quest. It's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But her opponent is very clever because she's actually it. Ar- Armand Tesla is is like kind of she's 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 invited dr bruckner to be like her to be she wants to be his host here and have you know have him be help her with her experiments and so she's sort of sponsoring dr bruckner thinking what an asset he could be to british science and medicine the problem is dr bruckner is not dr bruckner he's he's armand tesla the vampire she's hunting and who's preying on her thing so you have this really crazy thing where she calls she calls in Dr. Bruckner to advise her on what to do with Nikki, who's been bit. But mm-hmm. what she's really doing is is calling the very vampire that that is, has done the job no. to consult with her. So it he's really inside is what it is. Like he's really doing a double agent thing. It's really crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and maybe she doesn't recognize his face because she only saw it one. I'm terrible with faces. If I saw somebody's face once 20 years ago, nah, there's, there's not a chance. That, that, I see somebody's face once two months ago and not remember it. It has been 20 some years. So there's, that's a good point. Yeah. That's and she only point. saw it that once. And, and it, well, I guess it was, it was during the day. It was but, dark and foggy in the, in the crypt and who knows. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not entirely, yeah. it's, it's, it's credible yeah. that she wouldn't recognize him on site. And, and he was lying down versus standing upright as a more imposing presence and, it gives off a different vibe. It bo- it doesn't bother me too much. I, I I'm happy to let it let it slide. Um, I I hadn't even thought of it again. I I think it's just love blind. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, <laughs> didn't even question it. Um, mm-hmm. Lady Ainsley's interacting with Sir Frederick and trying to convince him of what's happening that that Tesla's back and that the vampires the vampire and all that thing. Um, of course, again, being the skeptic he is, uh, Sir Frederick doesn't really believe her, but he believes her enough to send a couple of agents after Andreas to see what's going on. So Andreas is coming out of 
the the gentleman's hotel thing into an alley. He's of course carrying a package. Mm-hmm. As usual. And these two uh they're like G Men. They're basically like British like like Secret Service type dudes in fedoras and trench coats. They they surprise him and demand to see what's in the parcel and the whole thing. Andreas in, in this very cloudy uh, alley, you know, very wet, you know, dank kind of thing. Um and they do a great bid where you have the the actor who plays Andreas, who's Matt Willis. Um, in the scene being confronted with the guys and he shoves one and he goes off camera and without a cut suddenly the two guys are fighting andreas as the werewolf and i i think they they just basically got another actor to put on the makeup as the werewolf for that one Hmm. shot so that it doesn't um there's no cut but you you sort of believe that he's transformed uh you know off screen for just that moment where you haven't seen him and stuff it's really Mm cool um uh it actually, it might be the whole scene. It's not Matt Willis actually, cause now I'm watching it and he kind of doesn't look like he does in the makeup or, or they just couldn't get the makeup to stay where it needed to be during this kind of physical. Oh, confrontation. The it's, it's quite the huh. scuffle. Yeah. Um, yeah. He holds his own really well yeah. too. And then the guys have to go back and, you know, talk, tell Sir Frederick, like we, he got away and he's like, how do you get away? He's like, well, he, kind of turned into a wolf. wasn't a man yeah yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so so sir what what i like is the cynic sir frederick is slowly like his the barriers of him not believing what's happening are slowly they get eroded bit by bit by bit until he finally kind of has to admit that there's something mm-hmm. uncanny going on um there's too many other you know coincidences um so now tesla is going to attempt to finish what he started uh nikki is in bed with her ba- or her neck bandaged um <clears throat> But she's being guarded by a nurse who, uh, you know, is, is watching her. And she, she sort of tells her to leave and the nurse won't leave. And, you know, thing that's very reminiscent of Mina in, in Dracula 31. Yeah. And they have no uh, wolfbane. No, no wolfbane, no bat thorn, which is the in, in Mark of yeah, the Vampire. It, it's, the their, yeah, it's their, it's their analog for wolfbane. I think that was, that was speaking of things yeah. to try and circumvent the copyright laws. I think that was one of their, their attempts there. Yeah, um, so. yeah. Yeah. There's none of that. And again, like there is none of the, until we get to this piano scene, you're right. Organ scene or whatever it is that, that we don't have a lot of religious um, defenses against the vampire. Uh, it, it does. It, it's it seems like it seems like that's not as as strong a, a a a protection as it is in other iterations of the vampire kind of film um uh, oh which that just reminds me um one of the books i think Manx's book pointed out that the censorship had columbia engage a a catholic expert for consultation on this movie and i read that and i was thinking what what would they possibly need that for interesting yeah <laughs> so Maybe the uh, the expert, you know, told them to tone down this or that. It would give such an impression, or make sure you include this or that. But yeah, I was reading that. I think it was Manx's book. That's I would well. It, if, if Greg Manx says it, it's yeah, true, man. He's he that yeah. guy knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, wrote down um, um, four four sixty six. But yeah, that's really interesting. Consultation now, is part of the crew. This is forty three. So this is made during the the not only we have this kind of like government oversight a little bit of the film industry, but we also, have, we always have the mm-hmm. Hayes code, which is the film industry's own 
yeah. so the Breen office, which is the, the film industry's own self-censorship entity, which is an attempt to keep them on the good side of, of not getting their films censored because their films get censored or, or worse, even not accepted in other countries. Mm-hmm. That's revenue lost. So this is, this is the, the film industry self protecting themselves all the way up until I think it goes until the mid sixties to seventies is when that, uh, we have the, uh, the the reorder of of uh, the film industry in the United States, and suddenly you get R rated movies and things like oh. that. Um, yes, uh, which came out of a big court case actually uh, at the time. So anyway, um, what uh, uh, Tesla's solution to this problem is? He sends Andreas up to just just get the lady out of the way. So in a, in a similar way that that Renfield is used to. Uh, attack the nurse in in Doctor Seward's sanitarium. Uh, yeah, uh, Andreas grab, grabs the the nurse and kind of hustles her out of the room, and we do not see what happens to the nurse uh, in in that situation. Um, <laughs> but it does leave Nikki uh, helpless in bed um, at at the whim of of uh, Armand Tesla. Uh, so she throws on her her uh, kind of thing. Um, Oh no, but but Tesla doesn't come for her, right? I'm sorry. She goes to visit John. Yeah, now. he uses her. He he sort of sends her on a little mission. Yes. Um so so she goes to visit John in his room. John is getting ready to go um uh conduct uh uh the symphony for, you know, his big recital thing. So he's all in his tux and he's ready to go. Meanwhile, you know, his his sort of sick fiance comes to visit him and he's happy to see her and she goes in for a kiss and we 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 uh we kind of spin round in on the camera to reveal Bella Lugosi kind of like voyeuring yeah, them. So. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah. Um does the and the film does explain this that so John ends up being being attacked and being bit, and is it is it Nikki that bites him or is it actually Tesla? And we, we just don't show it. it it's, it's Tesla, right? Well, yeah, we we find out Shortly after this, we find out. I, I think Lady Ainsley is the one who points out that, yeah, you just made it look that way so that she would think she was a vampire. That's right. That's Something right. to that effect. She Because she, she's not a full vampire yet. She's sort of under his sway, but she's not able to yeah. grow fangs and bite anybody. So it was, like more, it was more to manipulate Nikki uh, than anything else. And that, that might have been partly why, you know, he, he was hiding. <laughs> Armand is hiding there and peeking through the window and enjoying what he sees. But beyond that, it... it Let's him know when the opportunity is there to go feed on yes. her boyfriend. And 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 what that also gets the film is avoiding a scene of a one man engaged in any kind of bodily fluid exchange with another man, mm-hmm. uh, which is another mm-hmm. obviously at the time would have been a humongous taboo. Um so and, mm-hmm. and in most of these films, yeah, he's uh uh, uh, they they find a way to admit it. So here's the scene where I, I mentioned earlier, where it's it's John actually who's ill. Um, uh, uh, Lady Ainsley finds out when when the the recital hall calls him and is like, "Where's John? <laughs> He's supposed to be conducting." And she's like, "What?" You know, and they run upstairs and they find John down. Um, and she brings again Doctor Bruckner, who is really Armand Tesla, who is really Bella Lugosi, to <laughs> to consult with her <laughs> about what you know, how to, how to deal with this thing. Um, so it's really, uh, it's really strange. There's a shot here where it, you know, she's talking to Tesla and it, it cuts around 
we're mostly filming over over Bella's shoulder here at 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 uh, the actress playing Lady Jane, and then it cuts to a reverse, and it's it's definitely a shot of Lugosi from back in the lab scene with all the mist that we talked about earlier, where he's talking to Nikki and saying mm-hmm. he's going to take her away. They 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 sort of stole a shot from that because you can see it's the same uh, clip, which just tells me they probably didn't have time to come around and and do that coverage on Lugosi in that shot, or they wanted a a cutaway of some kind. Um, uh, this is another case where we don't see Lugosi with fangs at all. And we, is, is there, a, okay, here, here's a, here's a cat question. Is there oh. a film where we see Lugosi with fangs ever as a vampire? I, maybe on stage, but is there a film? Yes. I don't believe there is. No, I, because the only place a vampire so like either. five so times. Th- right? This is someone's opportunity to correct me and prove that I'm not a know-it-all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that there is, but I'll, I'll leave it to uh, I, someone else to I th- verify yeah. or fix that. I think that I think that really was an advent of the the Christopher Lee uh, horror of Dracula, um, Dracula character yeah, maybe uh, in, in Hammer, have... in, in you know a couple years after after this. Because um, uh, this was the first film. Uh, since Dracula 31 that he played a legitimate vampire first right because film. mark um, of the vampire spoilers he's not really a vampire he's a traveling uh-huh. uh, uh uh actor yeah who's impersonating so, a vampire right on i forgot this was a, yeah the first the first full length film since that one that he that he played a legitimate vampire um i don't know i'm trying to think of maybe like the uh what was it Hollywood on Parade? I don't know whether he had that with Betty Boop or yes, um, yeah, you've booped your last boop. Gosh. Um, that yeah. Bit, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I can't remember. But as far as like a feature movies, film, just, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think absolutely so. interesting. Um, so yeah, so the gauntlet has been thrown. Yes, yes. Someone can challenge me on that. Yes, ha- <laughs> we're uh, happily happy to be corrected. Um, it just yes, furthers definitely. our own, you know. Um, Lady Jane and Sir Frederick confront and Andreas. Um, they're pretty, she's pretty sure that he's back serving. Uh, oh, oh, they found, uh, they found wolf hair when, uh, uh on the, the yeah, two cops he, he attacked. DNA at the, yeah, left yeah, DNA yeah, at the crime scene. It's like a rookie. Rookie. So amateurish. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and, and, and so again, like I was saying for Sir Frederick is start, starting to come around to Lady Jane's, uh, thinking that, that again, there's some, something strange under the sun happening here um they confront this is one of my favorite bits is they confront andreas and he denies it and sir frederick grabs his hand and his hand is totally furry he's got he's totally in human form <laughs> but he's got like a paw which you can make your own oh maybe, maybe it's an anxiety thing yeah exactly you can make your own hairy palms it's look like in yourself, uh, teen yeah. wolf once, You're, once right chance and he just wolfs out and has no control he, over he it so maybe that's <laughs> yeah and maybe, maybe it's because they're pressuring yeah. him and he's starting to turn so because he because he, he runs out the yeah. door and 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 uh well and, and even yeah when he was uh fighting off the the undercover cops yeah maybe that's his defense reaction his yeah. fight or flight it's like all right let me let me get ready to fight it's interesting because it does totally throw out any concept of the full moon this the, the this this werewolf oh, character big time has yeah. it has nothing to do with the full moon which See, which it's, it's his breed he's the nice puppy dog breed and that's yeah. one of the perks you can turn you know, whenever you we want we establish we accept that now as as part of of werewolf mm-hmm. mythology but it is absolutely has very mm-hmm. little to do with classic werewolf mythology from slavic countries mm-hmm. and other places um mm-hmm. werewolves rarely 
were connected to this idea of, of, of a full moon. It's mostly an invention of, of the Wolfman of, of the writers of the Wolfman. Um, uh, oh. Kurt Mac. uh, <clears throat> in a way to turn it into a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde kind of, kind of idea. Um, mm. uh, Andreas runs off, Sir Frederick and, and Lady Jane go to, uh, the hotel that Dr. Bruckner quotes, air quotes, is staying in, um, <laughs> and, and find that, you know, he's, he's obviously not there. It turns out Sir Frederick, he has a photograph of Dr. Bruckner. He knows what Dr. Bruckner looks like, the, the authentic oh, one. that's right. And he, He's like, he's, he's short and bald. So it's definitely not Bela Lugosi. Or, yeah, or he's got that toupee. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so so he's already suspicious. This has nothing to do with whether he's a vampire or not. He, he, but he knows that the person pretending to be Dr. Bruckner is not actually Dr. Bruckner. Um, mm-hmm. In searching the room, they also find the ring. Uh, uh, or she she shows him the ring, I should say, um, and says, like, this was buried with Armand Tesla. So this is, you know... More proof and more proof, mm-hmm. and, and again, Doctor or uh, Sir Frederick has has stopped being able to really deny her. Um, Nikki seems to be kind of fading fast, and uh, and poor um, uh, uh, poor Lady Jane is really you know trying to keep her spirits up. Um, and she this is this is actually really the first time we're see there's a crucifix on the bed that she's uh, holding and and keeping near her, I guess. Armand Tesla checking out of the, I love this scene, ch- checking out of the gentleman's hotel that he's supposedly staying in. Uh, there's one of these same, um, the uh, uh, secret agent guys is like, is like shadowing him. And he, there's a guy inside and there's a guy outside. And Armand Tesla walks out the door and we cut to the outside oh, and he's gone. He just vanishes. He, he vampires yeah, out. Yeah, doesn't. Yeah, I think you're a little ahead of me. I keep trying to keep up with you. That's okay. <laughs> but he he turns into mist. Yeah, well, it's already foggy outside, so he's already got you know that. Yeah. The yeah uh, advantage of camouflage. Right, right, right. But um, and we do see very conspicuously. We see the outside of this very handsome, you know, very high end hotel has sandbags piled all in front of it, which is what they did in front of the glass windows oh. of all these buildings to keep. When, oh. For when there was was bombardment, the they would, that, would, that would keep the uh, well, yeah, I guess it would keep the lights blocked out, but it would protect the the place itself. Obviously, it keep the windows from being destroyed mm. and, and and flying glass and what have you. So um, again, there's just this, these constant huh. periodic reminders that yes, we are. You know, yeah, this wow. would have been contemporary for audiences at that's, the time. That's like, yeah, very cool. detail oriented set design. Then that's exactly them. yeah yeah yeah. There was a real thing. Also, I mean, it might be cheaper to just pile up a bunch of sandbags than build the exterior of a. Hotel for the for one for one scene. Well, I don't know. Nah, I like the first explanation better. Yeah, yeah, it was more but, insightful. Yes, exactly. Um, uh-huh. uh, but again, like I said, you know, you know, convenience and 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 creativity go hand in hand. Um, hmm. uh, now there's a cross hanging above the bed of John, who who is now you know here laying here with his neck bandaged, and there's a Scotland Yard guy guarding him. Um, Downstairs, Lady Ainsley's. This is probably my favorite. I don't know about you, but this is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Is Lady Ainsley's downstairs playing the organ. Um, there's this huge organ, and there's chandeliers and everything. And we turn around, and and Armand Tesla's here in full. You know, he's got the white tie and the cape and the the high collar mm-hmm. and everything. And this is where the protagonist and, and the antagonist are going to have their, their lighting from. You know, yes, yes, um, and her. 
It's a great scene. It's he a great wins scene. her over. I know you. Yeah, you can't can't hear the organ music without mute, obviously. But <laughs> the the change in the song that she's playing is what sort of implies a struggle. Mm. It's 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 Lugosi doing what Lugosi does best, it being sinister and charming at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's it's uh, it's great because because it's it's uh, Frida isn't in, in, in this court going toe to toe with him, and that's what. Like I always admire in a film, like I talk about Van Helsing in 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 Dracula, um, even Karloff in some scenes in 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 Frank in um, I should say uh, Raven and and Black Cat and Invisible Ray. Um, mm. It took a real actor to to be able to hold a scene with with Bela Lugosi, and again, like you not to just <laughs> be have him be all you can look look at, and and in this case, <laughs> it's a it's a great you know two hander thing and this battle of wits, oh, right? This. This scene, oh, not to cut you off, sorry. Not at all. This scene is one I think that, that Lenny pointed out, the continuity error. So there were two two camera angles, and when the close-ups were done, I guess the, the director chose the wrong camera to use for the close-ups. So throughout this scene, Bela's moles, you know, his trademark three moles on his left cheek, end up being on the wrong side because they had to invert in fact, I, I imagined then that his uh, kerchief would be on the wrong side, but they had to invert it so that the eye lines would match up. So now I want to pay extra Oh, now I'm watching that. it right now. Says, That's really interesting. Yeah. What, what what they did what they did is what's called jumping the line, where there's a there's a, a not to get whatever. There's an imaginary line when you film a scene between two people, and the camera is supposed to stay on one side of the line. So the one person mm-hmm. is always going to be on the right side of the camera, and the per- one person is always going to be on the left side. And if you jump it, it gets confusing. So to me, yeah, yeah. What what that looks like is maybe the camera position was wrong, and to keep Lugosi's eye line, Lugosi should be looking camera right. And if they jump the line, he'd be looking camera left, and it's going to be. It's one of those things like you don't always pick up consciously, but subconsciously, it's going to create this tension. Yeah, so I, sometimes you can do it on purpose just to create that tension. But it sounds like they huh. they in as a as a way to solve the problem they they flip the negative and and, and so he's instead of looking left he's looking yeah right. i was like oh sense. i do that with photo edits it, it, <laughs> and then because of my tattoos then i have to patch it over so the so my tattoos don't read oh that's interesting but, yeah but yeah. yeah no exactly I, it's done all the time there's scenes in star wars where you mm-hmm. can see uh, harrison ford's uh scar on his chin switches sides um because huh. they there's there's just a choice after the fact you know they they say you direct, you make the movie three times. Once when you write it, once when you direct it, and once when you edit it. And mm. and I will attest that a lot of things change sometimes in the edit, and then a lot of things. Oh yeah. You discover a lot of things that look, didn't go look right at, on the look day. Look at the ghost of Frankenstein. I mean, a lot changed in that. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and that sucked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, but here's the reveal where um, she's got a a cross on the the uh organ that she's had covered yeah. until she finally like illuminated it, it is illuminated i don't yeah, know if it's, it's illuminated and it projects onto his his chest over his heart yeah so it's a light box i guess is is, is she has she rigged up she's rigged up some kind of electrical i didn't quite get that in watching this i think she's rigged up some kind of electrical light cross thing that 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 you know it's not just a cross it's like it's like shining the light of a cross onto the vampire which is well gotta be yeah because it's not even there must have been something to do with mirrors because it's facing her directly but then it projects 90 degrees to the left (laughs) yes 
to be right on his to, to chest. To be right on his chest. Yes, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that pulls a pulls a count Orlock and checks out. Yeah. Yes, I won't. I won't. I don't need to get to the logistics of that. Let's it it works. Um, uh, Tesla Tesla <laughs> backs off and kind of disappears in a flash, which is the first time we've seen him do that, which is kind of cool. Um, and 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 basically becomes smoke. So I I don't know if the implication mm-hmm. is that he immediately turned into smoke or if he just kind of uh, did a vanish and the smoke I, is the re- residue of what happened. And, and oh, I I thought that's what it was because then when when he leaves and he goes to Nikki's bedroom, then. Mm-hmm. He's, Seems to be back in his vaporous form. Yes. Okay. So that makes sense. Um, it would. It does seem to be his his preferred method of travel. Um, Probably an easier way to travel. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, he Master. does. He, he summons Nikki uh, to to follow him, and and basically she's going to get up and and somnambulate into to the uh, to the graveyard, uh, and and he's. I guess. I guess he. I mean, it would make sense. I guess Tesla feels like he's been outwitted at this point. So this is his mm-hmm. last recourse is he's, he's going to, his is best course of revenge very, is, to, is to take Nikki away and, and ruin their happiness. Right. Yeah. It's very much like Dracula 31. So Van Helsing, right. Best Sim. Then he's, his plan is fine. I'm just going to carry me. At least, at least she got carried. Yes. Or Nikki has to walk. Has to put on her slippers and walk. Yeah. Just to walk. Yeah. No, she didn't even get carried. Nothing but a night, but, nice light gown. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Lugosi at this point is carrying anybody right? with his back issues. Poor guy. Uh, no. Uh, 42 black dragons. Uh, he made that in 1942 and yeah. he gets a guy down from a curtain is carrying him over his back. Like, Bela, there's even footage I need to find. Um, but when he got out of rehab and he was doing a plank off of a bench, I need wow. to find the document. Yeah, so he was uncommonly strong. Is another thing I absolutely adore about him physically. Amazing. This is physical strength. I have not seen Black Dragons Despite in a having... long time. Oh, since like I, I mean, I had that on on VHS. <laughs> That's probably the last time I watched mm. some of those monogram films. So yeah. I, I can't wait. I think we're gonna we're gonna do Devil Bat. We're gonna do a couple of the the lower budget. Uh, the the poverty row stuff because he did at some point because nice yeah once because we're nice. we're running out of some of the really big names here for Universal so you know we are we are ex- expanding oh, I those. out I, I think his I think his cheapies aged really well some of those are great I love them um, yeah. uh, Lady Ainsley Sir Frederick uh, uh, see Nikki coming down the steps and decide instead of stopping her we'll follow her she's she's going to lead us to Tesla so. You know, here here's how we end this, um, which gives mm-hmm. us these wonderful moments of of uh, of Nikki in a very sheer nightgown, wandering through like the 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 with the nightgown blowing, wandering through the cemetery while the werewolf watches and stuff. It's very it's really good atmospheric and and to this thing. It's really um, uh, it it does get a little bright of the monster. I. <laughs> In, in its in its like kind of uh, cheapness and stuff, but I still think it's it's the film is lensed beautifully. It's such a pretty looking film. Um, that all the actresses look so wonderful. Lugosi looks handsome and yet chilling and stuff. It's a really well shot film. I don't have the DP's name in front of me, but geez. Um, uh, uh, so they the you know Sir Frederick and and Lady Ainsley follow her to the to the cemetery are confronted by. Andreas and and Sir Frederick uh, shoots the the wolf the werewolf. Um, obviously, it's a uh, yeah, not silver. Didn't have to be silver bullets. Doesn't have to be silver. It, he does. He does like you know, ping him though. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And and uh, just as this is happening, a a, germ, a, a, a Jerry bombing raid happens, right? Mm-hmm. So so now we've we've come full circle. And now we've seen like okay, now you know the, the this is why it's so great that they keep they keep mentioning that the the bombings are, are happening and that, that the war is going on and stuff like that because it it plays into you know the ending in the film it, it makes sense um yeah i think this could even be classified as a, a world war ii movie i i, I definitely you know, think it, it's a war film a, yeah uh, yeah in the same sense that gremlins is a christmas movie and in die hard and all that but there you go that's uh I would put this as a subgenre World War II movie. I wouldn't. I wouldn't deny it. It's definitely. It's definitely. It's core to the plot. It's not just sort of the backdrop. It's mm-hmm. core to the plot. Um, mm-hmm. Having been shot, Andreas, you know, he carries he carries Nikki to the bombed out uh, church basement. Yeah, that's devotion. Um, yeah, right. Um, so maybe it is because it's not silver. Maybe maybe you know they don't mention it by by name, but maybe the bullet has hurt him. But maybe I don't know. Um, uh, and and this is the moment where he I think he's he manages to stand up to Tesla finally. Like he really tries to uh he try he's really not happy about how things are going and because he's he's a decent guy at heart, um, Andreas, but he is well, he's just under No, he gets his little Well, he gets rebuffed before yeah, that. So yeah. he's kind of primed for revenge as well. There you go. That's that makes sense. Um and it's it's like in which one is it? The corpse vanishes, mm. where uh, the little Italian guy. Yes, <laughs> his, his name in the movie, but he gets shot, and and Bela's character just just kicks him out of the way and gets in the car and speeds off. So and that's what that's happens. a very utilitarian thing. Yeah, yeah. It, so once Andreas has been injured, and he's like, oh, "All right, you're not useful. Go die over there." Yes. So yes. then Andreas is like, "Fine, you know what? What could we do? I'm not serving you. Then shoot. What's in it for me?" Right, right, right. I mean, Tesla, and really, Tesla really treats him like a dog, like his dog. I mean, he's very yeah. Um, you see, like, and that, not in a good way either. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Yeah, like, like the the bad way, treating yeah. like a dog. Um, doesn't give him like like scratches in a treat. He. <laughs> <laughs> he just, you know, he tells him, you know, you're of no use to me. It doesn't matter. Like your only purpose is yeah. to serve me. If you can't serve me, then it doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. So, so this is where we kind of are winding to the to, towards the end. Tesla's like lining his coffin with with his own earth, um, and the the bombing is happening. Um, Andreas digging in the ground somehow finds a crucifix, which is. You know, obviously well, it is a, left over from the church. Yeah. Church. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so now he's got his sort of secret weapon. So he, you know, he, he kind of contemplates it for a minute. It's like, there's this idea that he's contemplating morality or, you know, that, that deeds he's done or whatever. Like, and this is, I always like this in a movie where like the one character finally, you know, finds redemption, right? He, he literally like, mm-hmm. he, if he can figure out one good act he can perform that doesn't make up for the bad things he's done. Yeah. But, and, and to do it before he dies, like sort of going out with a bang. Right, kind of right, right, right. Um, or, or even vengeance, like, all right, I, I'm going to die. I'm taking you with me. That's what happens. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and so in staring at the cross, he, he reverts back to his his uh, human form. The The transformations are not um, uh, Wolfman quality. Let's just say that. Um, they're not <laughs> terrible. They're they're pretty yeah. nice. The, the dissolves, it's like if... If it's the same lapse dissolve thing where they run the camera for a little bit and then and then stop the camera, add some makeup, film some more, mm-hmm. stop the camera, add some makeup, whatever, and then and then you know play it in reverse for him transforming back into a human. Um, 
if if they did that start stop thing for the Wolfman like four hundred times, probably uh, it seems like they do oh, it about wow. twelve for this. <laughs> it's it's done a little bit more efficiently. Efficiently, let's let's just say that. Hmm. Not altogether ineffective though. It's it's still it's still a nice bit. Um, no, not yeah. It, it gets the job done. Um, he confronts now now he, back in human form. He confronts Armand Tesla with with the crucifix, and in this scene, first of all. You know the the guy the guy playing him, uh, Matt Willis, is a big dude. They always find these yeah. big guys to play. Like Lon Chaney Jr. was a big dude. Like you would think the, were- right. the Wolfman would be kind of a smaller. And when we in the modern kind of thing, when we see him animated and stuff, the Wolfman's always kind of small because he's in wiry, because well, he's, yeah, he's right? hunched over and yeah. all this. Yeah. Um, uh, Matt Willis could have played the Frankenstein monster. He's 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 taller than hmm. Lugosi, and he's he's just he seems very hmm. large when he's not hunched over as a Wolfman, right? I mean, that's the that's the conceit. Um, when he's yeah, when he's not visually sort of conveying his uh, his subservience. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, uh, so you know, there's there's a there's a bombing that happens, um, and an, another bombing, and the the sort of the rest of the church kind of ha- collapses down a little bit into the basement. Um, it knocks everybody down just, just as, just as uh, Andreas kind of has Tesla on the ropes. Um, but then, yeah, what, what Andreas manages to do is climb up through the rubble, grab Tesla and drag him out into the light, which is really just, um, you know, I, I mean, I guess I could see him picking up, Nikki and carrying her and trying to rescue her, but but he's not as concerned with rescuing Nikki as he is finishing Tesla. And, well, and again, that's what we talk about the retribution. Yeah, like you I mentioned. mean, you think about what he's what he's been through. Yeah. Uh, you know, even early in the movie when when Lady Ansley was talking about maybe finding Tesla again, and he overhears, but he pretends that he doesn't. And yeah. I, I think he was reflecting on what a horrible experience it was to have your soul commandeered right. and be sent around on these errands. So it, it makes sense that the priority would be to remove the the greater threat versus save the damsel in distress. Yes, yes. I, I, that, I, I'm right there with you. I think that's a good call. Um, and then we have this, this great final scene, which does... I'm telling you now that he's not a wolf anymore. Now he's just this big dude in a black suit. It plays off a little mm-hmm. bit like the Frankenstein monster versus Dracula um, <laughs> in, in the best way. Um, he, you know, uh, uh, Tesla is, I guess not destroyed by the sun, but at least all his power is taken away because he suddenly is well, he doesn't, thrashing. And, yeah. Cause I mean, he, he can't even like turn into vapor and right. make a quick escape. Right. Like, he's basically, paralyzed right um and and uh andreas finds a piece of like steel like a piece of rebar or something like that and a brick and in and what's really i think is like very inventive way like like he just just as nikki's kind of stumbling out of the basement like what happened um, <laughs> and she gets to witness it. <laughs> yeah 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 because it happens off screen we're on we see nikki always had well you know but it doesn't happen off screen we do see him yeah. kind of like pounding it in we don't see lugosi's body we see yeah it's it, it's he's on something um yeah that's that brick it looks so painful was- yeah, when he's climbing around on the rocks, yeah, thinking, "Oh my gosh, he's just getting it's a good way to by that turn stuff. an ankle." But um, uh, and we have another, <laughs> we have another groan from Lugosi, like his finally, oh, you know, kind mm-hmm. of, kind of a <laughs> a, a bit, which is really, really wild. Um, and then we have this. It's I, I don't know if they did. Uh, it looks like they did like a a wax 
casting? Yeah, it was wax. Okay, yeah, And cool. then actually the, the UK censors removed that part. Jeez. So the Brits didn't get to see that. Brits didn't get to see that. It looks, yeah, it looks like they did a wax mold, painted it, and then it yeah, looks like they're maybe it hitting it with wax. a heat gun or a heat lamp or something and, and letting it. I think the idea was for it to kind of melt away and either there was a choice to not show all of it in the final, in the, even the actual final thing, not even the censored version, or it maybe didn't melt away the way they wanted to. Cause you see his ear kind of comes off and it cracks it and it does some things. Um, mm. Yeah, but but uh, it's still it's a unique kind of thing. Rather than him turning to dust, or we suddenly just see a skeleton, like we see in the uh, uh, John Carradine iterations of Dracula, which you've probably never watched, right? Do you even watch? Do you even watch other people Correct. play Dracula? No, <laughs> no, exactly. In, in House, no, House well, of Frankenstein, House I, of Dracula. A, I well, I've I've seen those because I did a the, the um, thirty movie oh, Universal right. Monster Marathon a couple of years ago, but. Um, no, basically, I, I'm not a Dracula fan. I'm a Bela fan, right? Who incidentally is is tied inextricably to that role. But yeah, no, I'm a very compulsive fan. Right. It's not even a matter of loyalty. Like I don't want to see anybody. Like nope, all I care about is, is Bela there. That's 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 what you're there for. I get it. Um, yep. <laughs> so we uh, we've kind of finished. So so Sir Frederick and and uh, Lady Ainsley are notified of of what's happening, and they they show up and they find. Uh, what's left um uh they they find nikki who's injured but okay um and mm. then you know the remains of of what what used to be armand tesla so uh really you know i mean as far as columbia you know not really being horror movie making studio uh this cry of the werewolf and a few other ones in this era you, you know like you you were saying cat like you know they kind of took a swing at it um it it does come off a little bit more like a thriller or a noir film than it does a true really? horror movie, you know, like a lot, large parts of it, it do, I think. Um, to me, I think because the only movies that, that ever actually scare me are uh, about ghosts and demons. Mm. So I think anything else, when I read that it's, it's a horror movie, I'm like, oh, okay, somebody else decides the labels because it, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know. So, I, I mean, it, it wouldn't have been scary to me regardless of when I was born or whatever. Right. It's, it's just not you, what, so. what scares me. I, there you go. Exactly. So any category makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, yeah, we have the bit. <laughs> we have this slightly fourth wall break bit at the end where, where he turns oh, to camera and kind of gosh. like addresses us right in the, in, yeah. down the road. I, I think that was just to calm people down if if they thought the ending was too intense. Yeah. Some, yeah to diffuse it. Yeah, yeah. We see that a lot. We, I mean, even in the, the prime mm. universal films in the thirties, we see that lighter moment at the end with the idea is to just sort of take the, take the onus off of it after yeah. you've had the actual dramatic climax and stuff. And I, I guess, mm. I guess someone thought this was a good idea on, on this part. Yeah. On, well, Ill-advised. It's, yeah. hey, it's, 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 it's what it is, but, um, that well, and, and the way that the guy delivers it tongue in cheek too. So it's not even, yes. it's almost like, it's almost like the actor resented having to have a fourth wall break. <laughs> you you kind of get that. So right? yeah. you know, maybe, maybe he, yeah, maybe he saw like, oh, this is embarrassing. I gotta so do this. Okay. He, he just, I'm going to make it more embarrassing. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll lean way into it and see, see how they like it. Maybe, they, <laughs> maybe they'll cut it out. You never know. It's like, uh, mm. it's like Harrison Ford when he had mm, to do the, the, the voiceover part for Blade Runner did it, did it as bad a job as he could. Because he hated it, and he and he hoped if he did it really poorly, 
they wouldn't put it in the film, and they put it. Ah. In. Warner Brothers put it in the film. Nice. Um, <laughs> good strategy in yeah. any, any case. Um, um, hey, well, so that's uh, the Return of the Vampire with with Bella Lugosi. Kat, thanks so much for you know being on with me, and thanks for Thank you. lending your. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, your knowledge of all things Bella. That's great. Um, <laughs> hope, hope we can we can do this again for another one coming up. It'll be great. Um, yeah. Well. If you, if you cover those party row ones, man, I know back to front. So we that might know. be great because I'm not as familiar with those as I am all the universal stuff. I'm not as familiar Ooh. with this as the universal yeah. stuff. You, you guys are probably able to hear that hmm. where I'm struggling to figure out what, what's happening sometimes. But um, huh. it's uh yeah, but it's a, it, I glad the film, you know, it, it's a, like you said, it's, it's the first time Lugosi plays a vampire on screen. That's a real vampire since, since Dracula 31. So I think it's a very important piece of his career yeah if it's if it's not like one of the most 100 most important films ever made it it still is an important thing and i do again like the idea of taking this horror story this gothic horror story and finding a way to like combine with the what 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 are basically current events at the time uh is really they do it yeah make it topical yeah yeah very cool all right, everybody. Hey, this is uh, Jim Towns. I've been here with Kat Herons uh, doing The Return of the Vampire from 1943, or you said it came out in 44? Uh, it, it, January 44, it was okay, released, so it's but it's listed everywhere as a, as a 43, because that was when thing, it was so, yeah. filmed we'll, and made. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll let that slide. So um, we appreciate you guys listening to this very long <laughs> discussion as usual about a very short film but uh, uh please tune in next time to uh to see what we tackle next i appreciate it thank you very much everyone have a good night thank you everyone thank you for listening to this episode but the fun does not stop here you can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online on facebook instagram and twitter The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of Shadow Camera Film and Entertainment. This episode was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Gould. Opening and closing narration are by me, Kat Ahrens. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Thank you.